What's up, everybody out there in the Shooters Pod universe? This is Nick McGone, co-host of the Straight Shooters Podcast. And Vaughn and I have been a little busy the last couple weeks with the Phillies in the playoffs and now in the World Series. So we haven't been able to record an episode in a couple weeks. But fear not, we are here with some classic episodes this week. And we will be back at you next week with an all-new episode. So until then, enjoy this Deep Dive of Survivor Series 1995, Bret Hart versus Diesel, the wild card match, the one, two, three kids surviving, and the rest, I guess. Enjoy it. Shooter Radio Universe! It's a new day! Yes, it is! I am Vaughn Johnson. You've got me mad now. You know, you've got a bad nickel. Feeling good. Well, the thick skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ran the bad nickel in the arena. With my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was a riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Tomorrow, I'll you and kick your face off. I'm down with that. Hit you some But I don't like it when things aren't going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, right, he know that wrestling, boy. <laughs> give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up, ladies and gentlemen out there in internet land, and welcome to episode 306 of The Straight Shooters. Available wherever podcasts are found, including the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick McCone, the Philly voice and Philly influencer. And we have another dope, fantastic show ahead of us here on episode 306. I know it's been a while. We had to take a little bit of a, a little short hiatus because my main man, Pots and Pants, he's convalescing. He's recovering from his hernia surgery. Hernia's surgery, right? That's not the proper way to say that, but whatever. You know what I meant, all right? He's back. He's better than ever, like Eric Bischoff back in 02, okay? <laughs> and we he's back and ready to do a deep dive into Survivor Series 1995. That rhymes, see? Uh, it's like a gift that I accepted this deep dive to, for him. This is his favorite year in wrestling. And I figured since he's been... He's been, you know, kind of banged up the last couple of weeks. I was like, I do you a solid. Let you. You probably gonna watch it on your own anyway. But I'll Let do you, you the solid, <laughs> and we'll deep dive into Survivor Series 1995. We got a lot to talk about there. But before we dig into everything that's going on since we've been uh, off the air, so to speak, and, and dive into Survivor Series 95, I gotta do my check in my main man pots and pans, Nick. How you how you feeling, big dog? How you feeling, bro? I mean, I'm back, but I don't know if I'm better than ever. Uh, yet. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we're getting there. Uh, I figured by this point, you know, it's been just over two weeks uh, since my surgery, and uh, you know, still feeling it bits and pieces. So hopefully, uh, not too much longer. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I'm moving around better, but uh, still have have some pain. So. Uh, and I'm allergic to Advil, and that's the only thing they said that I could take other than Tylenol. Tylenol doesn't do anything for inflammation, so uh, I'm like kind of stuck where I'm at mm. at this point until I can uh, really just get that pain gone. So, I mean, you said it. Uh, and during my recovery, I 
I started with Survivor Series 1990. I watched that. You know, I had my uh, nephews and niece and my sister come over just to you know check on me and everything. And my my one nephew was like glued to the TV. He wanted to watch Survivor Series 90 when I had it on. When they came over, he was like enthralled with it. And it was my first Survivor Series, so it was cool kind of having that moment. And then, boom, a few days later, like I'm watching Survivor Series 91. They came, they come over, you know, like he's he's watching it. I watched Survivor Series 92. I watched Survivor Series 93, but I haven't watched 94 yet. So skipped ahead, watch 95, and next week we'll hit 96 as a Patreon request. So I'll get 94 in there at some point because, listen, man, those early Survivor Series, early 90s were awesome. Like, there, it has to be objectively a point for wrestling fans that they were awesome it just has to be right i honestly couldn't tell you (laughs) like i don't recall i've seen the very first survivor series but i don't off the top of my head i've seen what 90 93 was the one with the heart family yeah yeah. um they always had like a big storyline happen like you know that's that's what and i think Bruce Pritchard talked about it on his podcast. Like that's where they kind of start to build mm-hmm. to WrestleMania. It's Survivor Series. That's where you kind of tease certain things. And of course, they do it at the Rumble too. But that Survivor Series is kind of the start. I'm trying to think, what happened at Survivor Series '94? I don't even remember. Oh, Bret Hart, Bob Backlund, man. We oh man, we, we live commentary that didn't we? We did. I don't <laughs> yeah. even remember. See, that's what I'm talking about. I don't even remember. We did like the a Survivor Star Cage. I think it was Dusty and Flair in the cage, and then we did the Bret Hart, Bob Backlund. Oh, we just uh, just did that particular match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not we didn't the do the whole show. Okay, no, not the whole show. And then in '94, you had the Undertaker versus Yokozuna in the casket match at the end with Chuck Norris. Oh and, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> the very first match is when Diesel turned on Shawn Michaels. So, you know, you had that build start uh, for. Oh man, you know, I guess they already pegged Diesel was going to be backline at that point. So, yeah, man, man that's pretty eventful. Things happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty eventful actually that you forgot about <laughs> I guess right I forgot about great. all of it though but this show uh, not not quite as eventful but it, di- it didn't have Chuck Norris so it was already a step down no the, ol- the only eventful thing about it was it was the first Sunday Survivor Series that pissed me yes. off because it wasn't Thanksgiving Eve or Thanksgiving Day so I, I was going to mention that when we kind of dove into the show i'll I'll, I'll get my pissed offness out at that point (laughs) i'm sure you will um yeah i know it's been a couple weeks since we've been uh away we haven't left y'all with some audio greatness in quite a while so a lot's happened (laughs) in the time a bit (laughs) i mean that's what's gonna happen when you're off like two or three weeks it's gonna be some stuff happening sometimes nothing happens in wrestling of course it always happens in the day of like my surgery where like this recovery begins and like everything happens yeah like damn i'm gonna be gone for like two weeks at least and i can't right talk kind of starting i guess from chronological order and the things that we're going to cover here uh ring of honor taking their hiatus as it is right now uh this was announced a couple weeks back, so by the time you listen to this, you're already fully aware, but we haven't discussed it at all. Uh, sucks to see uh, that all of those talents going to get released either by the end of the year or by March. Uh, hopefully, Ring of Honor can come back, because uh, they're scheduled to come back around WrestleMania weekend. They have a building already set for that weekend, um, so hopefully they can come back. They're supposed to try to reimagine uh, the brand, uh, the product of Ring of Honor. So we'll see what that looks like if it comes to fruition. Not a good sign, though, when you're going dark for a couple months. 
Uh, I would say that. And the Sinclair Broadcasting, the the company that owns Ring of Honor, uh, they're going through some financial troubles. Uh, and so Ring of Honor had that they they just like, hey, we better change the model, I guess, the business model for Ring of Honor. And Ring of Honor had to reluctantly do it. Um, so shout out to all the talents out there who are affected by it. Uh, shout out to you know specifically our Ian Riccoboni, who we know and have dealt with you know over the years. We had him on the show a while back, and we was talking about uh, the Ring of Honor, uh, the atmosphere in the locker room, and yeah. uh, what it was like in the bubble. I'm sure that thing like, we talked about on that show. Uh, we talked about in our interview with Ian Riccoboni of how expensive it would be, you know, how expensive it was, I should say, to do the bubble with the trackers and the testing and everything that goes into something like that. Uh, not cheap, and I'm sure that didn't help the bottom line, especially when they're doing it with no fans neither too. Uh, that's you know it's part of being a bubble, there's no fans in there. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just unfortunate. Uh, it's one less for right now at least one less place for people to work. Uh, cause now they're all looking for places to go for the rest of the year at least through March. Um, and it you know it's just unfortunate. You know, this is not a good time. It's, you know, business the business is bouncing back as it is from the pandemic, and then potentially one place can go. Well, they are going dark, but after final battle. But hopefully, that's a temporary thing. But you know, it's just one less viable it's place almost, right now to, yeah, to, for people like to work. An omen. Feels like an omen where uh, you know you, you could be hopeful that they come back, like they say they're going to. But I mean, the odds are. I mean, like, we're in reality, probably not, but, um, you know, I still hold out hope. I yeah. loved having Ian on the show. I loved having Mike Bennett we had on the show after Ian, like, some Ring of Honor stars we were going to have on. And, uh, you know, I was looking forward to that. And uh, even, you know, without my surgery, like, we, we were um, planning stuff. So, uh, you know, that obviously is on the back burner now. So, uh, you know, it sucks for them, but hopefully, uh, other places are able to pick them up because uh, you know everyone's like, "Oh, this will be great for indie wrestling." But I mean, you, you don't know that. Like nobody knows right. that. And there's um, only so many spots. They, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you like, can't. A lot of a you know. handful of them are probably gonna have to go overseas to, to, to find stuff. And you know, you gotta uproot your family if your family wants to go. Like, and and it's and not just the wrestlers. <laughs> it's not just the wrestlers. It's also the the production people. It's yeah. the office people. What are they gonna do? You know exactly. what I'm saying? So uh, everybody. It's affected by it, top to bottom. So, really unfortunate that uh, Ring of Honor is going through this. Again, hopefully they do bounce back when you know March, April, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, when, when they're scheduled to. When they said that they were going to, uh, uh, you know, re-debut, I guess Ring of Honor 2.0 uh, <laughs> in the spring. Oh, so maybe they'll have yellow ropes. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um. Also, unfortunate news: we got a whole bunch of more wrestlers getting released by WWE. So more talent just out here in the wild in wrestling. People like Keith Lee, Mia Yim, Karrion Cross, Scarlett Bordeaux. People I just can't even imagine why you you know why you would let these people just walk. (laughs) You know, talented people uh, who, in the case of Mia Yim, just never used really at all. Scarlett Bordeaux, they didn't even call her up. Karrion Cross and Bearcat Keith Lee, they just misused from the moment they got to the main roster. Literally from the moment Karrion Cross was on Raw, <laughs> like, yeah, they couldn't he was wait. misused. They couldn't wait to be like, "Yo, screw him up!" Right, 
and there's so many more people. B Fab from Hit Row, like just stuff that just makes you scratch your head like what what's going on here and it's just we don't know why you know no official word you know budget cuts even though they're making money uh more money quarter over quarter you know every you know, the profits is increasing steadily uh maybe not to the way they want to but they're still going up um it's just again unfortunate uh, another unfortunate circumstance in pro wrestling to see Talented people lose their jobs. And Hit Rose, you know, they just got called up to the main roster, just signed their main roster contracts, and then that happened. It's like, what? What, what the hell? So, and I know a lot of people are like, well, they can go to AEW. It's like, not everybody can go to AEW. So, yeah, something's I mean, like, got to just go. be on dark every single week either, you know? Like, right. Um, and they can't sign everybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, they're going to have 300 people on the roster. And it's not even like people that were not used. You know, you saw Keith Lee what on Raw that week or the week before. It's like, right? What are they doing? Like, that was probably the most surprising one for me, uh, seeing his name. Uh, but I mean, the reality is all of them are surprising because, like you said, they're reporting record earnings, but then they're saying budget cuts. So clearly, they're either selling or they're doing something. I, that's yeah, not normal. Whatever they're doing is not normal. Uh, whatever they view themselves as as a company, an entertainment company, like they're not a wrestling company, whatever, it's just not normal. Not something, normal at all. Something has to be up. Because, I mean, WWE, they've had, at least in the in the, the past, maybe like the, a decade ago, they would like maybe annually release like maybe a dozen or so, no more than that talent. Like It was like after WrestleMania or maybe right before they would release some people that they weren't really using. You know, people that just wasn't, you know, they weren't using. They were just hanging out backstage and catering. Uh, it's, it's WWE's fault, probably, you know, that yeah. they were backstage. But it's mostly people that they weren't really utilizing anyway, so just let them go. Let them do their thing. Um, but this is, like you said, this is weird. Because it's not like this is a bunch of people that they weren't using. And this has happened over the course of the entire year. I just heard, I heard or read somewhere that they released 70 wrestlers this year alone. It's like, damn, I didn't even know they had that many people. I mean, I knew they had more than that on the roster. But like, damn, 70? And they still got a ton more. Ain't like they like got like 20 people left. And that's not probably not even including non-contract renewals because like Adam, a guy like Adam Cole, I don't know if he would necessarily oh, that would. I, I don't think that. they were accounted in that because, yeah. like you said, he wasn't extended or he didn't resign. Right. Daniel Bryan, uh, Bryan Danielson, another guy like that, his contract expired. Yeah. He, he went off somewhere else. You know, Still, some NXT guys whose contracts are coming up soon, so right. they, they could be right along with them. But it's just like this is totally different because they're releasing people who are featured on t- television who have won championships very recently. <laughs> like Bronson Reed was like North American champ, and the next <laughs> week he was cut. Like what? Uh, B Fab was a part of a group that just got called up. She was on TV pretty much every week when she when they got called up. You know, you talked, mentioned Keith Lee was, you know, getting a little push here. Uh, Karen Cross, uh, I don't know. Scarlett Bordeaux, they yeah. were not using her. But like Frankie Monet, they were trying to women. push her. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, women. of women. That too. And I mentioned that. Like, where is that? They, they don't want depth, apparently, especially in the main roster. Right. Yeah, I used to say three, four women every week. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just going to be Charlotte and Becky and Sasha and Bianca. Bianca. Yeah. That's it. We don't, I mean, Rhea Ripley is still around somewhere. And then you got. Naomi is still hanging out and she's doing stuff with Sonya Deville and then I guess Bailey would come back at some point. 
I guess it's definitely not like it was. You know, it's no. definitely been different the last. Few it's okay to have it, depth. It is. It's okay to have some depth. You got to rotate some people here and there, and like, but Dana Brooke is still around. What are you gonna do with her? Like, what are you gonna <laughs> do with her? Like, live. I don't understand. This, this, these releases don't have rhyme or reasons to them. It's just people who are, like I said, heavily featured, won championships, they're giving pushes to, and then like that, gone. I don't know, so it's frustrating. Well, well, yeah, it's just it makes you not want to watch WWE, honestly. Yeah, like, like, it honestly does. The practices are just out of whack. Yeah, it, like it seems like you feel like watching their programming, and I like their, I like SmackDown. Like that's probably my favorite show of the week at this point. Um, but it's not like great by any means, but it's no. you know watchable for me. And it's just like, man, why do I feel like watching it makes me feel dirty? <laughs> you know, it's because. WWE and, and what they do behind the scenes. Right. It's, it's it is. And it, it seemed like when you're in WWE, it took a long time to get fired. <laughs> like, yeah. You'd be around for five, six years before you got let go. And and now it's like here today, gone tomorrow. Grand opening, yep. grand closing. Like, damn. Yep. And they just signed Karen Cross not that long ago. Right? I don't. Did he debut before the pandemic? I think so. Like, Might have right been two before. years at most. Like maybe right before the pandemic, so he's there for at most two years. Yeah, at the very most. Right? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. So that's WWE and their nonsense per <laughs> usual. Uh, on the other side, you got AEW. You got Full Gear coming up this weekend. Remember when we used matches? to preview the pay per views coming up? That was a good, good time in <laughs> Shooters Radio history, but. And our episode was like obsolete by the third day, so I'm I'm glad right. I'm glad our uh, <laughs> yeah we don't do that anymore but yeah yeah right especially if it's like the only show we would do that week <laughs> you know <laughs> exactly um, we only had an hour to do it <laughs> right on a Friday um there's a hard sixty minutes a hard out um, <laughs> and it wouldn't be available till like Saturday morning sometimes right right <sighs> you know man but we air live. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, um, Full Gear is oh, happening yeah, this weekend. Yeah, yeah. A lot of matches. Give me one match you're looking forward to the most on Full Gear. Uh, man, I guess CM Punk and Kingston is the one that came yeah. out of nowhere. And uh, obviously, their promo skills built it enough. And I, I'm not positive we'll see Adam Page win the title. So I'm not Ooh. I, I'm not as like into this pay-per-view because you know it's called Full Gear, too. That's a terrible name, and they need to change it. <laughs> but... Um, you know, I, I think Brian Danielson and Miro will be great too. So, yeah, uh, those a, those two matches. It's a lot of good matches on this card. A lot of yeah. matches I'm looking forward to. Uh, Danielson and Miro. I think Miro might win that and go up against yeah. Adam Page, who I think Adam Page will win mm. the AEW Championship, AEW World Title. Uh, but I'm I'm agreeing with in agreement with you. It's Punk and Kingston. The match that I didn't know I even wanted to see. Exactly. I want to see. Yep. <laughs> and that's the and, beauty of what AEW can do. They can make you want to see a match that you had, like, literally three weeks ago. What, the day of my surgery, I was like, I, whatever. But, like, you know, they made me want to see it within two weeks. So kudos right. to them. Right. Yeah. And it's just one promo. They literally just talked us into the building, the mm -hmm. proverbial pay-per-view building, I guess. <laughs> and that's wrestling. That's literally wrestling. It's okay. Talking people make people want to see people fight. I want to see people who don't like each other fight. I don't care when WWE does a can they coexist? I don't give a damn if they can get along. 
<laughs> I don't care. Yeah, that's literally their main objective now. Which is right. Can another. they coexist? I don't care. I want to see people who don't like each other. And if it's not for a championship, because that's obviously the, right. the main objective is to win the championship, right? And that's what you have for Adam Page and, and Kenny Omega. Cool. And even Danielson and Miro, that's for the number one contender spot. And that's your second from the top, maybe third from the top match right there. Cool. But if it's not for a title, or it's not trying to get into a title match, I want to see two people who don't, or two entities, whether it's two teams or two people, who don't like each other fight. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I want to believe that they don't like each other. And, and that's what I got. all it took was like a bad look. Right. You know, like, why are you looking at me like that? Like that type of thing. And then it just builds and builds. Like you have that starting point. Whereas a lot of fuse that we see in WWE, like that starting point is either really, really bad or they just like rush right to the middle of, of something that didn't start and it just doesn't make sense. So no. AEW, I'm, I'm happy that things make sense to what we see on TV. Yes. That's one thing. It's just one thing that I can uh, applaud and, and laud AEW for. I give them credit for. To me, above all else, besides the in-ring or the presentation, is that the what they do actually makes logical sense. I don't sit there and be like, now why the hell would they do that? <laughs> when I do that with WWE on a weekly basis, but AEW is like, okay, I, I see what they're doing there. I see it. And it may not be the best stuff in the world. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I see the logic. I understand what they're trying to do. I understand what they're trying to accomplish. And I appreciate that. And that, that doesn't seem like a high bar to clear. But that's where we are. It, it's not. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> It doesn't seem like even my dog is excited about it. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely, like it. That's what wrestling is. Like we don't ask for the best every single week. Just it's really about stories. And as long as the stories drag and make sense, and then you have an endpoint, and then you start a new thing after it, like that's what wrestling's always been to me. You know, that's what it always was growing up. Like especially the early '90s, where even if it was WWF, like they had that beginning middle end and then you move on and whatever it just changed this man changed whatever his philosophy was and today in 2021 it is not the same in AEW that is what pro wrestling is like ring of honor that's what pro wrestling is like that's all we need like we really don't ask for much I mean there are fans out there that I just can't stand but me and you you know, it's just straight shooters. We don't ask for much. We just want to, us to not be insulted when, when we watch your TV program. Right. So, yeah, don't, don't assault our intelligence. A, it's really not a high bar. It's really not. No, it's really not. <laughs> it's really not. But it's, a, it's, it's becoming increasingly difficult for WWE to clear that bar uh, on a week-to-week, month-to-month, year-to-year basis. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, but we got transitioned into some... Sad news. I mean, we had sad news with Ring of Honor and WWE releases. Well, this is like real life sad news in that we had two uh, figures in wrestling pass away. And then last week we had Judy Bagwell, the mother of Buff Bagwell, pass away this past week at the age of 78. She's become sort of a, I guess you can say, it, for lack of a better term, a kind of a punchline of sorts. Not really her personally, just for the state of WCW back in like 2000. Uh, when things were very much going downhill uh, for WCW, and Vince Russo was uh, at the controls, 
Um, and she was used as a object in the match. It was a Judy Bagwell in the pole match. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and it's a shame that her name is kind of associated with that, I guess. I mean, it's, maybe it was nice for her. Maybe she, that's what, you know, we wouldn't be talking about it right now if it wasn't for that True stuff. That. Um, but uh, she unfortunately passed away again this past week at the, at the age of 78. Mm. Uh, so may she rest in peace and condolences to the to the family. Still of course, young. you know, Buff Still Bagwell young. and the rest of the family. Uh, yeah. For all intents and purposes, she, she did her job. And you can't blame her yeah. for what happened. She was just yeah. she was just there. <laughs> so Listen, I, I'm seeing online a lot of uh, like how WCW t- really turned it around in 2001, and that there was a lot of good stuff before WWF bought it. So I might have to go back and and watch some of that era to see if mm. it was. I was just so it's, hardcore WWF, like it didn't matter as a you know a teenager and my collection and whatnot. Which, by the way, I I got into storage finally. I have uh, – my tapes are in there, and I'm going to keep them uh, just to go through so many of the tapes I have. And a lot of them are for, from WCW 2000, uh, 2001. So, my God. Um, like the original airings too, you know, not, nothing Ooh. on Peacock that will be edited. So we got uh, some like 2,000 commercials on here? Uh, I don't – for Nitro maybe because I just let that tape while I – didn't tape the commercials for Raw because I wanted to tape the WMF more. So I would have, uh, I would pause during a commercial and then re-record when it came Oh, out. that makes sense. Yeah, that's so, the way we used to do it back in the day, yeah. right? You hit pause while you hit, yep. the v- hit pause in the VCR and then <laughs> yeah. hit play again. Of course, why would yep. you record commercials? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> so, but yeah, for Nitro, I probably do have all the commercials because I just didn't uh, pay attention. I hit record at 8 o'clock or whenever it came on and then, stop at 10 10 05 whenever it ended so and then i i really wouldn't watch it i would just like have it as part of my collection wouldn't mm. even watch it unless i saw something on the internet it, we gotta get those converted to like a disc i don't yeah. even know this crazy thing is like my laptop doesn't even have a place where i can put a disc in it yeah. <laughs> even the disc a cd the compact disc is obsolete damn it oh, my goodness i i had a uh dvd recorder where it had, you know, I can transfer it was a VCR, put in a tape, and then you can transfer it to a DVD. But right. uh, you know, it, it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work anymore. So I definitely uh, need to fi- either find a way to fix that or see if there is a place that still sells that. Uh, but I, I, there's definitely, I definitely need to find a way to convert those. <laughs> Yeah, good luck finding that. Yeah, I don't know where the hell you can find it. I guess I you can look on Amazon. I think but... I got mine in 2008. So yeah, it's been a while. You know, in 2021, so so much has already changed. So 2008, yeah. like the first iPhone was out. So right. Yeah, that's that's a hunk of nothing nowadays. Yep. <laughs> you can't do nothing with that. And the last thing we're gonna talk about is another person that unfortunately passed away this week. Was Angelo King Kong Mosca, who wrestled in the NWA and WWF and a whole bunch of territories back in the day. But of course, you know me, I'm also a football fan. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's a legendary wrestler, and WWE even tweeted about him. Right? Called him a sports entertainer, which I don't think Angelo Mosca would have ever referred to himself as a sports entertainer. It was a little more old school than that. You know, he's 84 when he passed away, they, so I think I don't think he would say he was a uh, yeah, huh? 
It's like they do that with everyone nowadays. The guys. Oh yeah, yeah. Their, their I, it's, ex- it's to be expected. It was like, it, but it's no like. There's no excuse. It, it does frustrate me. It's like, man, just, it, why do you need that lingo? Like, why do you recreate language? Like, that's this, the lingo, man. man. They write oh their own history. But again, Mosca passed away this week at the age of 84 after a battle with Alzheimer's. Um, but you know, he's a legendary wrestler. I think he promoted shows in, in Hamilton, Ontario, uh, back in the day. But the reason why I mentioned Hamilton, Ontario, is, of course, is because he played in the Canadian Football League for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So my timeline on Twitter, it's a lot of football stuff, obviously NFL stuff. I work for an NFL team, so obviously I got a lot of NFL stuff in there. But I also have a lot of wrestling stuff because obviously this is a wrestling podcast. But it's also a lot of Canadian football league stuff as well. <laughs> so I'm getting, I'm seeing tributes to Angelo Mosca from wrestlers and wrestling entities and journalists and whatnot, and from pretty much all nine teams in the CFL uh, about Angelo Mosca. So it was a lot of Angelo Mosca on my timeline this past week. Uh, but legit, like, great football player, for those who don't know. Uh, he helped the Hamilton Tiger Cats go to nine Grey Cups. Nine. And they won five. Okay? So that was nice. CFL All-Star twice. He's the East All-Star five times. And he got into a fight with Joe Cap at the 2011 Grey Cup <laughs> when he was like 74 <laughs> years old fighting Joe Cap. They had a legendary feud back in the 60s. They, I guess, apparently never forgot that. <laughs> they just held on to that. Woke up that day, chose violence as elderly old men, and still was ready to get that thing, get that thing cracking, get by that action at the Grey Cup uh, back in 2011. But. Uh, Angel Mosca again, may he rest in peace and condolences to the family. Uh, again, yes. passed away at the age of 84 this past week. So, yeah, that's that pretty much covers it. I don't think we missed anything from our hiatus. Uh, you, do you recall anything uh, that we might have missed? I guess, you know, now, do you think this Becky and Charlotte stuff is real life or are they playing into a story? Oh, I think it's for like, sure real. Do you? I think it's for sure real. I haven't it's been like very interesting glued to the story as much. Um, I, I mean, I saw obviously the belt exchange and all that, and I was just like, whatever. Like, I, I honestly don't care that much. So, no, I think, uh, it's, but I know it's blowing up on uh, Twitter and stuff. No, if she so. goes on a podcast like Sports Illustrated and says like we're not cool. I think it's, you don't I think that's it. part of it. No, I don't. You don't I think, think it's, it's like a Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels they don't, type thing? They, I mean, I guess they are technically yeah. promoting. I'm actually have coming up a Survivor Series, right? I mean, so, has that been made official yet? Because I think that you saw they announced the teams on. Oh Twitter yeah, and they're both Sunday. on teams, right? <laughs> well, never mind. I forgot about that. They did that on Twitter. Well, never. Maybe there's a reason why they're not having that match then because they don't like each other. That's actually a good a good point. Yeah. <laughs> maybe they're avoiding. I don't think much of it, but avoiding the confrontation instead of doing like with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and putting them in the ring, one on one at a Survivor Series. Um, <laughs> As if I was serious. <laughs> Let's avoid that. Man. Whew. But yeah, that's something I guess that was picking up steam. Uh, there's really yeah. nothing else that I care about at this point. Right. You have uh, you know, Roman Reigns and Xavier Woods. Maybe Xavier will get a pay-per-view match. Well, that would be interesting. Um, yeah, let's do it. Why even not? Even though they do like a... I think they already advertise Big E and Roman, so... Yeah, so this is just a, me- a means to an end, but eh. yeah, let's do it. Why not? Yeah. So, but speaking of Survivor Series, <laughs> it's time to 
get in the Wayback Machine, get in our time machine, and go back to November 19th, 1995. We are, as we record this, eight days shy of the 26th anniversary of this here show, Survivor Series, in 1995. You ready to dive into this, sir? Oh, it's live, pal. That sounds like you are ready to dive into this. Was this the show where we had that from? I don't think so. I think that was the first in your house. Or the second, okay, the I'm just making sure. Like first the, or the, it didn't happen on Peacock. I didn't, they didn't show it on Peacock. I feel like the, if that yeah. that promo would have aired during the show, they would have still left it in on yeah. Peacock. So, yeah. okay, I'm just making sure that because I definitely would want to see that. It was definitely that year. So. Yeah, for sure. We're live, pal. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> but okay see. you ready to deep dive let's into do this? it alright Survivor Series in 1995 was brought to us by the World Wrestling Federation yeah. November 19th 1995 it emanated from the US Air Arena in Landover Maryland the building was more famously known, famously known as the Capitol Center back in the day that was the former home of the Washington Capitals and the Washington Bullets slash Wizards, as they're known today. Uh, it was their home until 1997 when the MCI Center, as it was known back then, was built. It is now known as Capital One Arena. So this was like the building for Washington, D.C. And Landover, Maryland sounds familiar. That is the current home of the Washington football team. They play at FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland. I'm not sure why Landover is a place for them instead of D.C. proper. Because uh, now, it's funny, uh, the building, the Capitol Center was in Landover, but the Washington football team played, I believe, RFK Stadium was in D.C. proper. Um, and, and within, you know, limits, city limits, I guess. Um, but then, it's, you know, 97... Washington football team moved to Landover, <laughs> and the, and the the Wizards and, and the Capitals moved to Washington DC. They moved to DC, so it's kind of strange. I guess they got a good deal on the tax breaks or whatever by Landover, Maryland. I don't know because Landover. I've never heard of anything in Landover, Maryland besides the Washington football team. Yeah, same. And it's funny because they never once mentioned they were in Landover, Maryland during this pay per view. They all oh, no, the no, no, graphics no. said Washington DC. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, just like they do in the shadows of New York City. Oh, like you are God. in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> just call it what it is. Shadows of New York City. I, that was just what three, four years ago. No, just two years ago, actually. Oh, <laughs> right. Twenty nineteen. I don't know. It seems like ages ago right oh, now, God. but just twenty nineteen. I hated that. It was like in the shadow. It's like the Undertaker promo when he would have to say, uh, yeah. you know, whatever. He's like, in the shadows of New York City. Like, <laughs> F you, man. The shadows of New York City. It's just tired of this town. It's just in New York City shadow. <laughs> that's, a, that's what you know for. Congrats, East Rutherford. He's <sighs> just in New York City shadow. Uh, but on this night at the U.S. Air Arena, as it was known at this point, there were 14,500 people Ooh. in the building, according to good old Wikipedia, which, of course... 1995, strong WWF. Run I mean, right there. Look, that's probably their biggest house of the year. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe the European shows, European tours did better, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but, of course, Wikipedia, again, never let us down. Uh, this is the ninth annual Survivor Series. The show, of course, started back in 1987. Um, but... This was the very first, as you mentioned, 
the very first Survivor Series to take place on a Sunday. Up until this point, every Survivor Series was either on Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving Eve. Now, Nick, sounding like earlier you had some strong feelings about this. So, the floor is yours, sir. So, the one, the one thing I hate the most about 95WWF is they introduced In Your House. So, they had a pay-per-view every month at this point. So, why the hell would you move Survivor Series anyway? If you have, like, a bunch of other pay-per-views you're going to make money from, why not just keep it on Thanksgiving Eve at this point? That's when it was. Uh, like, the 94 Survivor Series, you had Backlund, Bret Hart, then the Diesel crowning a few days later, like, Thanksgiving over in Madison Square Garden and stuff like that. That was such a great time I looked forward to. And knowing that the day after Survivor Series, I wouldn't have to wake up early and go to school. Whereas this year, it was on a Sunday night. I had to go to school that Monday, Tuesday, and a half-day Wednesday BS. Like, I I was so aggravated by this and the whole new generation crap. Um, I guess it, it was you know, a couple of years, but I don't know if they started at 94 technically or, or if it was 95, but like every, every pay-per-view on a Sunday. Oh, I wanted to, cause even SummerSlam in 94, I believe was a Monday night. So everything was changed. A this Monday year. night. What? Yeah, yeah. They used it. It was Monday night every, every year up until 95. So uh, SummerSlam? Yeah. I yeah. don't recall it, that it at all. Head to head. I don't think it went head to have a raw. Cause I, you know, it would be when Raw was preempted by uh, Tennis or the Dog Show or whatever was on USA. So SummerSlam, you know, it didn't really, you know, go head-to-head with Raw or anything or oh, any programming. So That makes um, sense. Okay. But so we're going to pay-per-view that most. So the, okay. the thing I hate the most about this year was how they changed and made every pay-per-view a Sunday night. And I was just really put off by it. And... Um, there really were no great storylines headed into the show either. So it wasn't like, okay, Diesel, Bret Hart. Like, I didn't care to see that that much. You know, I mean, it was a good match, but I wasn't jonesing for it. Um, and, and the fact that it was a Sunday, I was like, man, it really put me in a, in a crappy mood. And this was right after I turned 10. So, you know, I had, you know, I said before I had like that, I guess – Allergic reaction to salami. <laughs> like what? The, the <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah. My t- so I turned ten October of this of that year, and I guess I had salami at my birthday party. And the next morning, like I had hives on my forearms and whatnot. And I thought it was the WWF shirt that my mom got me after uh, getting me the LOD like shoulder pads and stuff. Oh yeah, you did say that. Yeah, yeah. it was salami. I think it was that year. I mean, I know the LOD wasn't around here and that, so I'm, I'm I, I think it was that year. But um, yeah, I just don't like. I, I thought it was the shirt, so I took the shirt off and I didn't wear it for like years. Man, <laughs> but. Yeah, I had no clue. So, and then I don't even think I knew it was on a Sunday until like a few weeks before. So, I just assumed it was going to be on Thanksgiving Eve. So, when I found out it wasn't, I got really angry. <laughs> Look, it's funny you mentioned that because Thanksgiving and Christmas back in the 60s and 70s and even into the 80s was like the biggest days of the year for the territories and pro wrestling. So it's 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 kind of, you know, it's, it's interesting to see the shift away 
and pro wrestling at least away from running shows that day. Now, for the talent, it's good for them to be home with their families, obviously, on Thanksgiving, on Christmas. Yeah, maybe some of them don't want to be. <laughs> maybe, but you know, that's the that's the decision, obviously. <laughs> but it's nice to get at least that one or two days a year to be home with your family on those important holidays. But back in the day, those are your biggest money making days. You know, and it's still it's not like oh, well, wrestling did the smart thing and got off of Thanksgiving and Christmas because nobody goes out and knows it. No, that's that's the opposite. If anything, Thanksgiving is a big day for football, obviously. High school games are happening all across the city here in Philly. They might happen in other places too. Uh, but all, obviously, the NFL has Thanksgiving on lock. They got three games every year on that day. Yep. A game in Dallas, a game in Detroit, and a, you know they pick a, another good game for that week. Um, and those stand, those stadiums aren't like half full. <laughs> like, yeah. If anything, people look forward to going to see football, NFL football, especially on Thanksgiving. They don't mind not being with their families. <laughs> That's a family. That is the family function, pretty much. You know, and they might get dinner after or before, but they're going to see. Uh, football that they did for the Lions that might be their best attended game of the year possibly yeah I'm sure that's a big money maker for them uh-huh. and he, let's go to Christmas okay what about Christmas well look no further than the NBA bro because mm-hmm. they run like seven games on Christmas <laughs> <laughs> right they are from noon until like 11 p.m. on the East Coast basketball games and not just any basketball games the best games yeah. all right Christmas <laughs> is probably the single best day in the regular season and it happens really early on but the mar- all the marquee matchups are on Christmas. If your team is not playing on Christmas, your team is not a marquee team. <laughs> that's just how it is. <laughs> when the Sixers started getting Christmas Day games, that's when we know, man, we hit the big time now. Like, the process <laughs> is over. Because we're playing on Christmas against the Bucks. Remember when we beat the Bucks a couple years ago on Christmas? Like, woo! Trash them. Was that last year? I think that was last year, right? I think it was 2019. Either way, that was like a big win, mm-hmm. right? But yep. I'm saying, the point is, yep. is that... You some if you playing on Christmas, you somebody. You got either uh you a marquee team, you're in a marquee market. Like the Lakers are always gonna be on Christmas, even when they are bad, they're always playing on Christmas. Um, or you got some stars, you got some young stars. You see a lot of the teams with young stars playing like in maybe in the early window or maybe in the in the late window, but you know, they got and those arenas are packed and the ratings do quite well, <laughs> right? For the NBA. That's why they load up on Christmas. Um, but it's, it's interesting to see wrestling, again, go away from it. I'm not going to complain as a fan because, of course, the talent is like, we don't mind we're not working Christmas because we could, for one, we get paid anyway. We got contracts. <laughs> um, for two, I get to be home with my family. So I'm not going to say wrestling, go back on Christmas and make some money. It's just interesting to see what, how I'll that shift that. has happened. I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> Get back to Thanksgiving. <laughs> Get back to work. <laughs> Get back to working. But it's interesting to see that shift take place over the course of the last, what, 30, 35 years. Yeah. Really. And, and yeah. pro wrestling. It's really only pro wrestling. Because everything else is running. The movie theaters are open. Concerts happen. Stuff happens on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah. That's People, people get together and do stuff. You've got people parades, spend money. People go to the parade. Oh, yeah. And make a big day out of it. It's not just dinner. Right. You know? It's not just dinner and sitting in the house, hanging out with your family members and people and stuff like that. It's not just that. People spend money on entertainment on those days. So, very interesting. It's, it's funny you mentioned the uh, day of the week that the show is happening, too. Because, you know, in, in talking about, oh, I got to wake up early the next day 
and or when it was on Thanksgiving Eve or Thanksgiving, you didn't have to because you mm-hmm. know you didn't have school the next day. And it's funny that the one thing that we kind of did miss, you know, and didn't mention during our set previous segment was that WWE released a pay per view schedule for next year, and they got a lot of Saturday shows. Uh-huh. Which I am very much here for. Let's go. <laughs> no, Royal Rumbles on the Saturday. Okay, we got day the day one show New Year's Eve, New Year's Day is on a Saturday. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they, of course they got the two night WrestleMania, which I don't. I mm. mean, whatever. We'll see how it goes this year. Um, I at AT and T Stadium, I still like it. Yeah, I, I, I'm here for a Saturday show. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know. If it gets more people on the show, I guess. I just... Whatever. It, it, it's not... I'm not willing to die on the hill of it going back to one night. And if w, for WWE, they're like, well, if we can sell 70,000 tickets two nights, then let's do it. <laughs> like, 140,000 people. I mean, come on. Well, we'll see how it goes in Texas if they can fill up that stadium. Because remember last time, they're trying to get 100,000 people in there. I don't know if they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna do that twice. I guess. I guess people will buy both nights. Hmm. But then Maybe he, I mean, who knows? Who Will knows? They right? even have enough talent to fill out two nights, <laughs> right? They're going to fire everybody. Um, but yeah, WrestleMania got Saturday and Sunday. But you got Money in the Bank, SummerSlam is on a Saturday yeah. in Tennessee, in Nashville, where the Titans play, Nissan Stadium. That's going to be. We've been pining for an outdoor SummerSlam for how long? Uh, since day since one of this we podcast. Bored. Since right. we were born, <laughs> outdoor SummerSlam. This is going to be the first one since. 92? Oh, since Wembley. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Since Wembley. So Wem- they- Wembley's like a faux one because it was pre-taped too. I didn't even like realize that. So right, it was like not happening live. So well, like, time zones. I know. Time zones. Like, why couldn't they air live in some in the U.S.? Whatever. Well, because you're going to wake up at four o'clock in the morning to watch it. Wasn't it wasn't <laughs> like, that, dude. It's only I like know. five hours. It's a five hour difference. <laughs> it would have been like four o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon. <laughs> it would be like four o'clock in the afternoon. I've now been to London saw, too, and no, I can. Not like that Japan show where I woke up real early to watch. I it. did not wake up that early for <laughs> that show. <laughs> was a beast knees. Yeah, I did not wake up early for that. I did like um, a Philly Voice article for that. And I was like, why? why? <laughs> Um, but outdoor SummerSlam, dope. Nashville, good place to go. I've heard good things about Nashville. Um, and a Saturday again. Saturday shows. I think this is a Nick Khan thing, for one to announce it a year in advance, pretty much to all the yeah. pretty much the big shows for next year. They're the stadium shows, right? Like pretty much every stadium show. Money uh, in the Bank is in Vegas. Allegiant yeah, stadium. that is. That's a. Yeah, in, in in the Legion Stadium. Saturday, I didn't even right? realize that. Saturday, Ju- July second. Yeah, so you got um, the Rumbles in the stadium. Yep, that's in uh, uh, the Dome in St. Louis, yeah. where where the Rams I guess used to day play. Day one is in, in a stadium. So no, day one is in, in Atlanta where the Hawks but, play. Yeah. It's, it's it's Royal Rumble, Money in the Bank, SummerSlam are all in the stadiums, yeah. and of course WrestleMania. Um, and with the, the location for the September pay per view and the name of it apparently is TBD, um, <laughs> but. Point is in your house. <laughs> Saturday show, right? Saturday shows. I think that's a Nick Khan thing, along with cutting all these people too. I think it's a Nick Khan decision. Yeah. But pay per views do well on Saturday nights. People like to go out and have a good time, or just stay up late, and then they don't have to worry about going to work the next day. Exactly. Thumbs up, because when Money in the Bank was on Saturday this year, I was all for it. 
I think no, was it was SummerSlam on a Saturday? SummerSlam was on a Sunday this year. I think. I think. Either way, exactly there was a pay per view because their pay per views are so forgettable. Like I don't even That's true. remember. That's true. But there was a, a pay per view on a Saturday this year. I think with Money in the Bank. I think it was SummerSlam. It might have been both, but definitely SummerSlam. I think was a Saturday. Either. Uh, I think I, I think I put it on for my dad on like Peacock or something. Mm-hmm. So, Either way, yeah. more the more Saturday pay per views, the better. Yes, I'm all for them. So. And on Thanksgiving and on Christmas Eve, like great. <laughs> <laughs> we need holiday paper. The Halloween havoc is it? You know, make it out of pay per view. Put it on like Halloween or Halloween Eve. Like it would be so much better. Mm. Take it, it, up get, with... it just gets me into the holiday spirit a lot more than <laughs> real life does. <laughs> the holiday spirit of Halloween. <laughs> um, but speaking of Halloween havoc. It's a good thing you mentioned that because we talked about. I think our last show was a deep dive into Halloween Havoc '95, right? It was. It was. And '95 was just a terrible year for pro wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> that was just one example of why 1995 was a bad year for pro wrestling. Uh, even though Nitro debuted in September. Hell yeah. Wrestling just kind of sucked, <laughs> especially in the United States in 1995. It wasn't just WWF, neither. Okay. I know some people like always like to look at 1995 WWF and make fun of it. WCW was bad, too. You're one of those. <laughs> no, oh, no, I, I am. But it's, it wasn't just WWF. It was also WCW. People don't talk about that because the NWO came right. and WCW got better. But people don't remember before the NWO got started, WCW was whack. <laughs> Bottom line. Even Both when per- like Scott Hall arrived, it was still whack for. A bit. It was still whack. It took a while, <laughs> right? Both promotions were not doing pro wrestling any favors in this country in 1995. They were making pro wrestling look bad. It was embarrassing. Yeah. And meanwhile, ECW was growing, and I didn't even know it existed at this point. Right, but that's the problem. You didn't know about it. ECW yeah. was doing this thing. Yep. But it was on. Uh, channel 48 here at like midnight like, <laughs> like you know <laughs> yeah, it was a syndication 10 year old me was not uh, channel surfing at that time I was right. ordered to go to bed right so it, like and like I said it wasn't until the NWO got started in July of 96 that things kind of started to turn around at least for WCW took a little while longer uh, for WWF but let's get to the show Survivor Series. It starts off with Mr. Perfect dressed to the nines by He's 1995 back. standards. He, he was he was sharp for 95 standards. That's right. But he makes his entrance a grand entrance, big return for Mr. Perfect, and then we just go abruptly to the video package. It's just like this is kind of weird. Like why are we get Mr. Perfect <laughs> in the video package? But whatever we yeah, here. it wasn't even like before the pay per view started. If people were watching like a free for all, it was like you had to order yeah. the pay per view to see that. Right, that would have been a nice little, nice little tease for the pay-per-view. Like you said, on free-for-all, you see Mr. Perfect making his entrance. It's like, oh, man. I got him. I order. might order now. <laughs> is he <laughs> wrestling? <laughs> What's he going to do? I mean, he's, he's in gonna, a suit, but is he wrestling? He's just going to sit there and make misogynistic jokes during the women's match. That's what he's going to do. So. Yeah. We get the video package, which I thought was actually pretty dope. The, the, the video package about Bret Hart and Diesel. Who will wrestle in the main event 
for the WWF Championship. But I saw, again, I thought this was a pretty good video package. And we open the show, which is sponsored by Milton Bradley's Karate Fighters. Yeah. You remember Karate Fighters? Hell yeah. Did you have Karate Fighters? I did not. Okay. They looked really cool. It was like Rock'em Sock'em Robots, but like karate. Yeah. Like a yeah, kick. Yeah, I, I don't think I ever asked for it because um, you know, it's not like I had friends that love wrestling that would come over or like my sister wouldn't probably play it, so I just never asked for it. But I always thought it was cool when they did like the tournament of the the wrestlers and Sonny and Jerry Lawler and stuff like that. But um, that's about my, my like uh, the way I liked it. That was about it. Like I didn't care for it. It looked pretty dope on TV in the commercials. So maybe might have to find it? some karate fighters. On, oh, wait, on, you're on like the, what seven at the time? Uh, six, six actually. But I might have to find some on the on the internet out there. I'm sure. I'm sure <laughs> somebody's got some old karate fighters for sale, and um, hopefully they don't. They're not too expensive. <laughs> um, I don't know. But they're, they're the sponsor of the show as we get the big pyro display and Vince McMahon yelling his way through another intro. And Vince McMahon is joined, of course, by Mr. Perfect and Jim Ross for the broadcast as we get into the opening match. It is a traditional Survivor Series match. We have the underdogs. <laughs> Marty Jannetty, Hakushi, Bob Holly, and the ultimate underdog, Barry Horowitz, going up against... Skip of the Body Donners, that's Chris Candido. Uh, Tom Pritchard, who's announced as one half of the Heavenly Body still. So he wasn't technically technically a Body Donner yet. Um, so we got Skip, Tom Pritchard, Rad Rafford, of course, is Louis Spicoli, and the one, two, three kid. I didn't know Hakushi was looked at as an underdog. Well, I mean, but, like, he didn't do anything ever. So I guess, <laughs> like, well, I should say they didn't use him as anything ever like uh a lot of these 95 stars and it, it hit me in one of the matches I, i'm trying to remember off the top of my head up and it might strike me in the course of like going over these matches uh hokushi wasn't the one i was thinking about but these these like wrestlers never did anything <laughs> you know like they were like Hakushi wasn't an occupation worker you know type wrestler <laughs> but like they so never that's did why they had no ideas for him <laughs> Like, like you don't have Bob a job. Holly, like Bob Holly didn't do anything for years. But um, he had a job though. He was a stock car driver. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why they was pushing him. He's they said he was a two star athlete. They're trying, they're trying to make people like have two jobs. They're like, you can wrestle here, and then you better make sure you have another job lined up. Like, <laughs> right. Hakushi ain't got no job. So I was like, What? You just wrestle? Yeah. Then we ain't got nothing for you, bro. And this was like so he was still a heel when he faced Bret Hart. In May and in your house, and now I guess it was Barry Horowitz, right? That was trying to quote unquote Americanize him and stuff like that. <laughs> oh my so, god! Yeah, it was, if I remember correctly, you know, I didn't see any vignettes. I didn't look back. I didn't do like a ton of research for this, besides watching the pay per view like I normally do, trying to get back in the swing of things. Um, but that's what I remember, and they just never did anything with him. Like no titles, like nothing. He was just a wrestler that did things. And I just didn't like that. Like, it didn't stick with me as a kid. Well, I'll, I'll, he did the things he did on this night was pretty cool, though. He had some like, unique offense. didn't really... I don't know why, but it, I was more concerned about who, like, held, held a title 
and who well, yeah. But like the moves and everything, they didn't impress me as a ten year old. <laughs> you know, like I, I don't know what to say. They just well, I was kind of just sitting there going. Well, Yep, that's exactly what she was saying. Pretty much. Bring on, bring on Diesel, Lordy Dolly. Pretty much. Bula, bula, bula. Where's, where's Bob Backlund? <laughs> oh, he's right next to the president. Okay. No, oh, we're gonna talk about that nonsense in a second. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this was also the one, two, three kids uh, coming out party as well. Yes, because he had just recently turned. Or his his good friend Razor Ramon to join the Million Dollar Corporation. Uh, he aligned himself with Ted DiBiase. Razor Ramon came out to fight One Two Three Kid during before the match. Time but, and place, Razor. Come on. Right. WWE officials were like, not now, bro. And they <laughs> held him back. And he went to backstage. And while he was backstage, he was just back there hating on One Two Three Kid the whole time, watching the TV, along with Savio Vega and. Uh, Who's a, has a Henry O'Godwin and, yeah. and Batu, all yeah. the dark side guys who were Undertaker, BS, the, the whole BSK crew, crew right? <laughs> the clique and the BSK crew who was just hanging out, apparently. I don't, I don't know about that. But <laughs> he was just hating on them the whole time, and the whole BSK is like, yeah, man, he ain't nobody. You the man. It's instigating. They won gold medals in the Hood Olympics for instigating on this night. <laughs> yeah, man, you're the best. Right. Yeah, he ain't nobody, man. You the man, right? You the bad out. guy. He sold out. You didn't sell out. Right. You the bad guy. You're just going to WCW in a few months. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he went to wrestle on a pay-per-view called Sold Out. How about that? <laughs> How about that? Um, but Because of 123Kid's recent turn, he had a lot of heat. He did. He had a lot of heat. This is well before X-Pac heat was a thing. <laughs> I, but I, I, I did love, though... Even more than the one two three kid heat, one two three kid heat. I love Mr. Perfect calling Bob Holly a two sport athlete. <laughs> you, you know who told him to say that? <laughs> oh, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, of course. He's a two sport athlete. He's not only a wrestler; he's also a stock car driver, and but he's I mean, just—he's like w- Jeff Gordon, w- but he w- also wrestles. Sport. It's like WWF's not a sport. So, what other sport does he play? <laughs> Oh yeah, it's entertainment. So he's a basketball player. Is he? Is <laughs> Can he, you imagine? Right. I just found it funny that they tried to build him as a two-star athlete. It's like he's not really a stock car driver. Like, but but listen, I fell for it. I mean, I didn't watch that I mean, NASCAR on the weekends or whatever. But you know, I'm sure there were people were that were watching that, looking for Bob Holly, being like, well, "Where is he at?" Not realizing that he really wasn't a race car driver, even though right. I guess he had experience in that i guess that's why they did that but um clearly i don't know if he even had experience in it i think he just worked on cars i don't think he ever really (laughs) raced cars bro i I can look it up i don't know let's see let's see we have all right pretty sure i heard that he didn't really race cars they just made him do that (laughs) (laughs) just that was his he did debut in 90s for profession smoky mountain was that old jeez 1990? Yeah. Oh, I guess. Yeah, initially portraying the character. Yeah, yeah, he was a mechanic oh, at okay. Meineke. So because he worked on cars. <laughs> Not they, even Amco where we could go beep, beep, MCO. No, because he worked on cars, they made him a stock car driver. 
I oh guess. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. For some reason, I thought he was at least... Because I went to school with uh, people that you know, do races on the weekends at, like, Dover Speedway and stuff, but they're not, like, you know, the NASCAR races or anything like that. But I thought maybe that's what he was doing, but I guess not. <laughs> right. NASCAR is a circuit, though. NASCAR is not even, like, the type... A stock car is a type of car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NASCAR is the league. You know, you have the, the, the you know the circuits and whatnot. So. Yep. Obviously, he couldn't have been a NASCAR driver because we couldn't look him up and say, like, oh, there's Bob Holly in the NASCAR race. Right. So I saw his stock car, but whatever. Two-sport oh, athlete, my ass. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just I just found it funny. Like I said, like, for whatever reason, you know, he's a stock car driver, but for whatever reason, he also wanted to wrestle. Like, I don't foresee a Bubba Wallace doing something in the same vein. Like, or Cal Bush, you know. I was like, you know what? I'm making millions of dollars over here in the stock car thing. I mean, I'm, I'll put my body on the line when I drive, but like when I get out the car, I'm done, right? No, I'm. A, I also put my body on the line by fighting people, <laughs> like for a living. No, that's not what's going to happen. So, uh, speaking of Bob Holly, he was the first to be eliminated by Tom Pritchard. Oh so, my God. get on out of here, get back to the track, buddy. You got to race this weekend. It's such a terrible <laughs> way, like. He eliminated somebody, and then he, like, turns around. Like, why aren't you ready for... Like, you know the rules of Survivor Series, right? It doesn't stop. So why are you celebrating a win, turning around to your team, looking for, like, a high five, and you get rolled up? Like, Oh, yeah. I, I said that wrong. Holly eliminated Pritchard. Holly gets up, doesn't see yeah. Skip yeah, come no, from like, behind him. Well, he was the first guy that was eliminated for his team, but he's an idiot because yeah. he's a race car driver. He doesn't understand wrestling. <laughs> he can turn left, though. <laughs> can turn left. That's for damn sure, boy. I'll tell you one thing. He can turn left too. Well, he turned right there. No, left only. Um, the crowd. This is when the crowd started getting into Barry Horowitz, started chanting his name. And I said, "Man, you know it's rough when the Barry Horowitz is the most over guy in the ring. Like this is when <laughs> times are tough for everyone involved." Okay, and yet they still reacted more then than they do now. <laughs> You're right. No, what essentially a jobber is going to get reactions like Barry Horowitz? Not today. Mm-mm. Hell, main eventers don't get the reaction Barry Horowitz is getting on this night. Nope. Wild. Uh, Hakushi comes in, does his you know unique offense, but he gets eliminated by one, two, three kid. And this is what I noticed: the Razor Ramon was backstage hating on one, two, three kid the whole time. <laughs> While being instigated and piped up by the BSK, like, what are you really funny it for, bro? Like, relax. Right, <laughs> you can just wait <laughs> when this match is over and fight him after the match. Uh, but then we get Rad Radford into the ring, and I've noted that Rad Radford has to be the least creative name in WWF history, <laughs> and that's saying something. Okay, well, they just took Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, <laughs> like. Like, they've had some rotten names over the years. Like, Dean Ambrose. Who the hell wants to see the Dean Ambrose? Now, he became a star, but, like, the name sucks. Rad Radford, though, <laughs> is a different level of terrible. It's it's up there. The whole character, like, what what is he? Don't He's like, rad, I guess. <laughs> he's, like, the way he's walking, like, this... What is he supposed to be? Uh, Look, Luis Picola did his job, man. He got he paid. Did. Good he for did. him. May he rest in peace as well. 
but that might be who I was thinking about when I was talking about Hakushi a little bit earlier. I might have been thinking about what do they think? Do they think Rad Bradford's a guy that's going to be in the main event at some point? Like, what is he here for? <laughs> the, the name Rad Bradford. The, yeah, yeah. Like, he's trying to be a body Donna. Like, it's. You give a guy a name Rad Radford, you're just telling everyone we don't think of him as a main eventer. We don't have no intentions of ever putting the world title on this guy. Matter of fact, we're not going to put any titles on this guy. Uh, he's not even going to main event a house show. That's what you're telling us when you give a guy the name Rad Radford. WWF. Louis Piccoli deserves better. He deserved better. The World Wrestling Federation. Ugh. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Revolutionary force, bro. They were so revolutionary, they came up with Rad Radford. I don't think that's talked about enough these days. <laughs> about how bad of a name that is. They didn't even try. It's like, oh, you're awesome, make awesome. You're coolly cool. <laughs> Chili McFreeze. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, come on, bro. You're stew stupendous. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, come on, bro. <laughs> like, that's so stupid. I just came up with those off the top of my head, bro. And they're dumb. Somebody actually thought of that. I was like, all right, this is what we're going to write this down. We're going to send this in. And then somebody said, hmm, that's not bad. Rad Radford. He <laughs> even has a ring to it, pal. <laughs> it was probably like Brad Bradford at first. And they were like, you know what? Let's get rid of the B. Yeah, let's make it rad. <laughs> I'm surprised you just take away the, the, the first name and make him Radford. Because that's what they do, you know, take away one uh, name. Now you got Angel Garza, and now he's just Angel. I, don't, I still don't get that. <laughs> what? Like, what? What research do they have that shows it, it <laughs> makes them more money? Because that's right. all they care about. Like, what one research name. shows that? The take away. The, we had this, this guy had a name. Now we're gonna take half of it away, <laughs> and this is what's gonna help him. Like you said, like you asked a great question. What research? What <laughs> metrics do they have that says this works? It's just stupid. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just Vince Man wakes up one day and says, Biggie Langston, Biggie, Antonio Cesaro, Cesaro. That's it. Dude, we're at the point where I totally his name was Antonio. Like, we're literally at that point. Look, it's all part of Vince McMahon's plan, bro. Mustafa Ali? Ah, Mustafa. You know what? Now you're going to be Mustafa Ali again. It's like, what? <laughs> he got his last name back. Damian Priest, one day, it's going to be Damian. And that's it. I'm telling you, I'm calling it now. He's just going to be Damian. They're not going to call him Priest. Damian. Rhea Ripley, just going to be Ripley one day. Like the like Sigourney Weaver from uh, Aliens. Just Ripley. Uh, Barry Horowitz eventually be- beat Radford to eliminate him. And then Skip jumps in to go face-to-face 
with his arch nemesis at this point, Barry Horowitz. <laughs> this is massive, I tell you. Massive. Surprised they didn't save it for WrestleMania. Right. This is like the semi-main event of the show. Because Skip, <laughs> the reason why Barry Horowitz has his newfound newfound confidence is because he beat Skip recently. Mm-hmm. Like his first win ever. Mm-hmm. So no, you know. Now Skip has to get his revenge, see? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then he did. Because 123Kid blind tagged Skip at one point, And that allowed him to eliminate Bear Horowitz. Man. Now it's just Skip and 123Kid going up against the lone warrior, Marty Jannetty. The bizarre Marty Jannetty. And the crowd, but the crowd on this night was chanting Marty's name. All right? But his gear <laughs> was ridiculous, even by 1995 standards. It was Rockers gear. But the Rockers stopped at, what, 91? <laughs> <laughs> Bro. This is 95. I mean, you, you look at Monty Gennetti and wonder why WWF was not in great shape. Because he looked like he was still in 1987, bro. You got to think about the rest of the world at this point in 95. Like, we had already been through, we got the grunge move it, movement going in rock. Rap is... Rad Radford. <laughs> stop it right now. But we got hip-hop. It's becoming mainstream. It is mainstream at this point. And it's becoming the, the most... You know, prominent genre of music in the world. Nothing Marty Jannetty is wearing represents that. They even, did, they even put hip hop in King Mabel's music. That's how hilarious, you know, that was to me. Uh, it was like the royalty music, and then it was, yeah. it was like the hip hop thing. And he would come out. And like it's just dance. It's it just so. Great. It's just uh, another reminder of how out of date WWF was by 1995. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look no further than Marty Jannetty. They allowed him to wear that on television in 1995. Not good. Uh, at one point, uh, I believe Marty Jannetty had a chance to kick Skip in his groin. <laughs> and that prompted Jim Ross to be like, oh, it would have done better than the Washington football team had done this today. <laughs> so you know what that means. Mm. I had to do some research. <laughs> yes. I had to look it up. What did the Washington football team do on November 19th, 1995? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> on that day, they lost to the Seattle Seahawks 27-20. to <laughs> The Seahawks, who were part of the AFC West at that point, not the NFC West. They were in the AFC at this point yeah, still. I remember that. Yeah. They didn't join the NFC until 2002 when they realigned when the Texans... Uh, Mm. Joined the NFL until it's into its yeah there you go <laughs> into its current alignment. I think the Seahawks are the only team or one of one of the only teams to play in an AFC Championship and an NFC Championship How game. About that? So, um, the game was played in Washington at old RFK Stadium. This was '95. Was the team's last season in RFK Stadium? Mm. So, Washington turned the ball over five times. <laughs> wow. So that didn't help their calls. Um, right. Gus Farrat and Heath Schuler throw, they both threw two interceptions. <laughs> two interceptions apiece. <laughs> exactly. And they finished the season overall 6 and 10. <laughs> <laughs> 
in case y'all were wondering. That's a lot of info. A lot of info. Didn't take me long to look it up, but <laughs> I figured people would be interested. Uh, Marty Janetti, though, did eliminate Skip eventually with a powerbomb from the top rope. What the hell? On a survival Holy series? Hell. On a Sunday? Get out of here with that. Whoa. You don't see that today. <laughs> 95. Powerbomb from the top rope. All right? But now it's just down to Janetti and 123 Kid. And that's when Sid comes out. Former tag stands... partners. It's true. That's when Sid comes out with Ted DiBiase and they stand in 123 Kid's corner. And you know what's going to happen here. Ted DiBiase gets up on the apron to distract the referee. Sid pulls Janetti over the top rope, like yanks him down, you know, over the top rope. And that allowed 123 Kid to pin Janetti to pick up the win and become the sole survivor of this here traditional Survivor Series match, which prompted Razor Ramon to throw a hissy fit in the <laughs> locker room. Again, still big mad at uh, one two three kid. He throws a TV and destroys it. And I'm just glad he wasn't watching it sideways. You know what I'm saying? He threw it twice. Threw it twice. Through the table. It's like, dude, bro, relax. Take it easy. Relax. Take it easy. It's not that important. Apparently, it was. They're never best friends anyway. <laughs> Apparently it was a reason. This is funny to me because in September of this year, they, I think I've mentioned it before in the pod. They had a angle where the one two three kid and Ray, like Razor got pissed and shoved the one two three kids. So basically, the one two three kid's heel turn is standing up for himself because the Razor was like being a bully to him. Oh my god! So he finally like sells out to Ted DiBiase. I guess that, that's what makes him a bad guy. But right. you know, Razor slapped him in the face right. on a raw, like he was crying. But they never. What was he supposed to do? TV. Yeah, exactly. It's like Razor, you you drove him to this, you jerk. Like, right. Get out of here with that crap. But but he's um, just a bad guy. That's all. He's just a bad guy. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> he gets heated. It's like yeah, right. well, he didn't mean it. Okay. Whatever. Moving on, we backstage. With Todd Pettengill, your guy. My guy. With, with Camp Cornette. And he's telling Razor Ramon to get his stuff together because later that night, he's going to be teaming up with multiple members of Camp Cornette in the wild card match. <laughs> wild card. I love it. So it's all Camp Cornette. You know, well, Owen Hart and Dean Douglas agreed. Yokozuna had nothing to say. Moving on from that, we got another traditional Survivor Series match. This time it's the ladies. We got Bertha Faye, Aja Kong, Tomoko Watanabe, and Linus Asuka. <laughs> Going up against Alundra Blaze, Kyoko Inoue. I think I said that right. Uh, Seiki Hasegawa, and Chaparita Asari. Good there job. you go. Thank you for saying it. I, I tried my best with those. So if I messed up here and there let me know i apologize um this was only the second ever women's survivor series match when wow. did the first one take place first year, at the right? <laughs> at the inaugural survivor series in 87 <laughs> so it took a whole eight years for them to get back to that but here we are uh the match started off hot though oscar lioness oscar kicked the holy hell out of asari <laughs> to start the match <laughs> Kicked her damn near, kicked her head almost clean off. Smooth off her shoulders. 
Uh, but Alonjo Blaze got the revenge. He eliminated Oscar with a German suplex pin. And then Mr. Perfect d- decided to become a misogynist, or not become one, but express that openly. Um, and said that, oh, these women should be in the kitchen and fixing their old man a meal. What the? What? Okay. That's not good. Uh, Hasegawa was tossing people around at one point. But Aja Kong eliminated her with a high angle suplex. Aja Kong also eliminated Asari soon after. But, and then, Aja Kong eliminated Inoue. So now it's down to Alundra Blaze going against Aja Kong, Watanabe, and Bertha Faye. So, the odds are stacked against oh, no. the women's champion, Alundra Blaze. This it looked never like Blaze, happens in the Survivor Series. Oh, no, never. It looked like Alundra Blaze is going to eliminate, or she looked like she did eliminate Watanabe because the referee counted to three. But apparently that was wasn't the case. It wasn't what was supposed to happen. Alonja Blaze looked a little fl- frustrated, uh, but she eventually hit a power driver to send Watanabe packing like twenty seconds later. So I don't know what happened there. A little oh, mis- it wasn't. It was probably Earl Hebner probably messed that up. Maybe a little miscommunication there. This match had a little couple instances of was like, <laughs> oh, what's happening here? Like, oh, miscommunication yeah. there, malfunction there. Okay. Uh, Alundra Blaze hit Bertha Faye with a German suplex and and hit her, you know, tried to pin her. She, Bertha tried to keep her shoulders on the mat as much as she could. She tried because, you know, Bertha Faye ran into Aja Kong, which allowed Alundra Blaze to hit the German suplex pin. And then she get her. She got her. She one, two, three, got her. Bertha Faye is now eliminated. So now it's down to just Alundra Blaze and Aja Kong. And then this is what I noted that Mr. Perfect's commentary during this match. Has not aged well at all. <laughs> he said something else about women and whatnot. Uh, I can't remember, but I know it was bad. And bad enough that I didn't even want to note it that bad. Don't even want to repeat it. Um, I might be happy because uh, usually I, I write notes of commentary, but I didn't for this because I'm trying to you know get back to normal. And I guess I didn't uh, listen closely as I normally would. But there was also outside my apartment complex people mowing when i was trying to watch this and i could barely hear i had my tv up so loud so um if i miss that as well so yeah it it wasn't it wasn't good at all probably better to keep him on mute (laughs) yeah this match probably best for everyone uh what wasn't best for blaze though was that spitting backfist she got from aja kong which looked like she could literally lock knock Anyone out right. with that back fist. That was badass. <laughs> like, anyone could get knocked unconscious with that. <laughs> like, He's going to go hit Kurt with that. <laughs> right. If she heard what he was saying, she probably would have. <laughs> um, And this night, it knocked Alundra Blaze out for the win. And she is the sole survivor. So we start off the night, two matches and two heels as the sole survivor. But... We move on to more garbage. If you recall, we talked about on our during our WrestleMania 10 deep dive, WWF having a Bill Clinton impersonator. <laughs> this is 1990. This is March 1994. Here we are, a year and a half later, and there's another Bill Clinton impersonator. 
They really dug into the U.S. Uh, Washington D.C. thing for the Survivor Series. So, oh yeah, I, I, I've got some notes. I've got some notes because <laughs> there's a lot to talk about there, actually. Yeah. But what the hell? <laughs> we just mentioned earlier. We talked about don't insult our intelligence. And here they are insulting our intelligence. By making it seem like this clear impersonator is actually the president of the United States. We know what he looks like. That's the most important man in the Western Hemisphere. Even as a we 10 know year what old. Looks like. Even as a 10 right. year old. <laughs> His picture's probably hanging up in our classroom. <laughs> I know what the president looks like. I see him on TV pretty much every night. That man, even in standard definition, does not look like <laughs> Bill Clinton. He doesn't he does a solid Bill Clinton impersonation. I give him credit, but that ain't him. So why are we like, oh, Mr. President, who? Stupid idiot. Basically, (laughs) there will be more from the president. Oh yes, there will. Quote unquote president, including during this next match, which is between Bam Bam Bigelow. And gold dust. <laughs> During Bam Bam Bigelow's entrance, he has a, he has pyro that goes off in the ring. And the it's not the That's yeti. pretty much what the Bill Clinton impersonator said when the pyro went off. Because when the pyro goes off, the quote unquote secret service that's there to you know protect the president jumps on top of him. Oh, get down! As if they hadn't heard pyro all night. There was just pyro during the opening. Well, I guess there wasn't, uh, you know, the fire coming out because Bam Bam Bigelow's all fiery and whatnot. Look here. This McMahon, <laughs> a noted Republican. His wife ran for, I believe, she ran for some, I think it was Senate, Senate or Congress. Yeah, Connecticut, right? Yeah. As a Republican, she's part of a Republican super PAC down in Florida. This probably took great joy in mocking a Democratic president. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it. Okay. So again, there's more to come here from Bill Clinton, quote unquote, <laughs> and this impersonation that Vince McMahon, I'm sure, was just cackling his ass off from this. He probably thought this was a rock. Ross probably was too. He was out there. This was trash, bro. Mm-mm. This was trash. You know what wasn't trash though? And I don't think people really talk about this a lot. Gold Dust theme music is a classic. It is on Full Metal, their first album, and I used to listen to that like a lot. One of the Bro, themes that I listened to a lot. Jim Johnston, I know he gets a lot of credit from wrestling fans, and rightfully so, for creating some of the best theme music themes of all time. Steve Austin's, The Rocks, Kane's, Undertaker's, all that. He deserves all the credit in the world. Uh, the only thing that's close to him, as far as Wrestling history is probably CFO, CFOs, I think it was, when they was doing the music at NXT. Yeah. They created some bangers down there, right? I think he outdid himself with Goldust music, though. So cinematic, so epic, and it's just that bass, and it's just it it's like he put for a that, lot into it. For that character. It's I, perfect. I think about the character a lot when thinking about the theme songs, and it, I think, I, I'll say this, and. I will probably be prepared to like debate anybody that wants to disagree. Goldust 
and Ken Shamrock are, I think, two, his two greatest themes uh, for their Ooh. respective characters because Ken Shamrock's like, you know, don't mess with me type thing, and it's got that, like, feel to it. And yeah. same, same with Goldust. Like, you said it, like, the cinematic, he's supposed to be this movie star, but, like, with the vignettes that built him up and everything, you know, and, like, that theme song just has that feel to it. And it, it's really hard nowadays for anybody to capture, you know, characters and theme music, but he did it consistently yeah he he would match the music to the character mm-hmm. expertly and those were my two favorite ones like wwf doesn't or wwe i should say doesn't have like the quite the characters they did back in the, the gimmicks right and have duke the dumpster drossy stuff like that like it's not quite like it was back in the 90s mm-hmm. but that's kind of how jim johnson thrived because he could see the character he could see what the person's supposed to be Kind of get their vibe, and then make a song off like Vader, that dun 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 like, even hell, Road Warriors, LOD, he created that song. That's a legend. That's a legendary song. Like, and you say Ken Shamrock and Goldust are just two are your two favorites. I mean, those are classics for sure. But like, I mean, Steve Austin's respective characters as yeah i mean the glass breaking steve austin's the glass shattering man come on that actually puts that at a whole nother level too because you didn't really yeah. have that you know in, in no, those themes that, back then like, that kind like, of like uh signature yeah, like you exactly. knew exactly what's gonna ha- who was coming from like an instant um but yeah he he was a he's a maestro man he was he was a he could really genius composer of music that WWE doesn't hasn't replaced hasn't you know the music today just doesn't hit the same like I'm sorry like nope. there's some good ones out there um, but when you can match the music to the person like Jim Johnson could mm-hmm. whew, man Nobody it's just better. and no you look no further as an example than Gold Dust because that music was incredible and it fit him. I mean, couldn't it fit him, fit him like a glove? <laughs> Honestly, like it really did. Um, think about Goldust. This was his second WWE pay per view match. Of course, the character is being played by Dustin Rose, the natural Dustin Rose. He ain't the natural anymore. He is Goldust. Uh, he is fully in that character. Um, and that's one thing I think. Uh, I don't think he gets enough. I think he gets credit for, but. You can tell he fell into that right away with this character. Like, it, I know some people were like, kind of off put by the Goldust character at first, and uh, it was you know the reactions weren't like people weren't one hundred percent on board with it at first. But man, you got to give him credit for how he made made that character come to life. I don't think even Vince McMahon saw that character. He envisioned that character be like that, like the way Dustin Rhodes played it. You know what I thought about watching this match was, I, I, guess, I don't know if you know Dustin said it before or it's common knowledge. Um, to, like you sign, he signs that WWF contract to come back and then he's given like the character he's going to do or does he know well, before I don't know. he I know. signs I remember he, what he's going to be doing? And I just think like in my head, I'm thinking, okay, he probably signed there. And then he's given this character like after he signs, and he ha- he has to basically go home and think about how he's going to make it work. 
I remember he was on, I think it was Chris Jericho's podcast with Cody back in like 2014 or something like that, like a long time ago. And I remember him saying like him talking about the pitch Vince McMahon gave him and he used the word androgynous and he had never heard of the word androgynous before. Um, before he signed. I'm not sure if it was before he signed though, but like mm. you think about like Steve Austin, he always tells a story while he got the call from WWF and they told him. They pitched to him the ringmaster character, and he was like, "Okay, whatever." Like, I just, yeah, I just need a job. Yeah. So maybe that's part of the whole thing. Like, gotcha. hey, we're not just going to sign you. We got this is what the plan we have for you. Are gotcha. you willing to do that? And you're like, let's let's rock. Listen, man, and, that's a hard decision if you're in his shoes. Like, you probably want to get out of WCW. Uh, you know, kind of make your own way at that point because. You've been in WCW with your dad for three years, four years it was, because you know, like he, he made his he wrestled with Dusty in WWF in '91, and then when he went back to WCW, Dustin went with him. So yeah, like, WCW is probably like where he grew as a performer, and so now like getting out on his own, maybe he sunk his teeth into it. it was like, listen, as a performer, as a, as a wrestler, like I could see if I can make this work. I mean, that's probably the greatest. I know people love what he's doing now the last few years and stuff, but, I mean, not everybody could have made that work. No, <laughs> it's some really. of the best character work, I think, in wrestling history. I mean, yeah, Undertaker... I, mean, I got it at that age, but, you right. know, like, well. it, it, you kind of figure what the character's supposed to be or whatever. I just, I always believed it just to be mind games, and apparently that's what it was. Right, but if Undertaker is, like, the best character, and the best character work of all time, Maybe you throw Kane at number two, but I think Goldust is like right in that same stratosphere as far as like just falling into a character. Like, I don't think, I think Dustin Rhodes deserves a lot of credit for how he portrayed that character, made that character come to life the way he did. Um, his opponent, Bam Bam Bigelow, this was his final WWE match. Hmm. Before he went off to, I guess, ECW. ECW, yeah. Right? Maybe he did I don't a few know, Did he go to WCW in 96? He went to ECW, and I think it, he debuted in 96. Um, okay. Or maybe it was... I don't was part of the triple threat, Shane Douglas and... Chris he was Candido. there in 98, that's for sure. So he went to WCW. 97, 98. Late, late 98, he went to WCW. So maybe he waited a year. Maybe he went like late 96, early 97 to ECW. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, he didn't go to WCW or ECW right away, I don't think. Because I, Bam Bam Bigelow went there when I think Shane Douglas was champ. I mean, I, yeah, I, my timelines could be messed up. but He I, debuted I, in ECW in February of 96. Oh, well, so it wasn't that long. Yet. So he, right. who was champ? Does it, does it say? Like, oh, I don't, I don't or you're know. Or you just on Bam Bam's wiki. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm trying to think of that time frame. And Shane had gone there because, you know, he had left WWF like right after this too. So he went, I think his last appearance was in December. So I think they, I guess they both went over around the same time. That's crazy. And then Chris Candido was over there too. So, man, there was like a mass influx of, of a lot of guys that were on this show. <laughs> And the ECW. Yeah. Yeah. You think about so, Razor and Diesel, too, going to WCW in a few months, yeah. too. So this this show was almost an end of an era. <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. And not long the later, best. you get like guys like Steve Austin coming in, and The Rock gets, call, 
gets well that's next that's the next year mm-hmm. uh 90 in the survivor series 96 yeah. but you know slowly but surely some new talent gets trickled in so man mick foley mankind uh after mm-hmm. after wrestlemania so yeah it is a little bit of a shift uh now that you mentioned it uh but in this particular match uh the match was okay and uh gold does one with a bulldog so there mm-hmm. is that <laughs> Yeah, we move on once again. We're back with the quote-unquote president who is now sitting with Bob Backlund. And Bob Backlund was angry that the quote-unquote president was even in the building. And you probably were wondering, like, why? Why would he be angry? Because we were in the middle of a three-week government shutdown (laughs) at this point in 1995. (laughs) So I'm sure Vince McMahon got a hell of a kick. Oh, man. I'd have bring that up because this is happening under again a Democratic president. <laughs> if this is a Republican president, probably be like whatever. Right. But Democratic president, hey, president, what you doing? You're not doing nothing right now. It's government shut down. You look stupid right now. So <laughs> I'm sure he took great joy in, in making fun of the fact that the government was in a shutdown. It's not a good thing. <laughs> like not a thing uh, that should make light of. Like I know we had it was a couple of years ago, like 2019, I think was the last time we either had one or was about to have one. It's not good. Not good at all. The president of the United States would not say something if he didn't really mean it. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Poor little naive Kel. Uh, Keenan. That was Keenan? Oh, yeah. yeah. Naive Keenan. They probably wanted to go to, you know, see Survivor Series in D.C. Well, let him. Mm. After he saved his life. Well. You remember that episode? I do not. <laughs> he, the president visited Rigby's, and there was a big tower of orange soda. <laughs> Keenan saved him from it, from falling on him. He, so he saved his life. Oh, my God. <laughs> but it's so funny because you see, like, the angle and Keenan, Keenan's elbow clearly, like, hits the tower, and they all fall, but... They rushed the president out of there, and it's <laughs> so you save him from the orange soda. Yeah, man, that's funny. Actually. He's in the hospital. <laughs> oh my god! And he takes his. The president comes and visits him and takes a sandwich. Oh man, it's hilarious. A lot of good stuff in that episode, which isn't not available in streaming uh, circles. Apparently, I don't know oh, why. No. <laughs> my God! One of the best Keenan and Kel episodes ever. I'll, say it. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. I've seen a lot of Keenan and Kel back in the day, but I don't really remember them vividly to enough to rank them. <laughs> you know, best to worst, worst to best. It's one of my favorites because it's just like ridiculous. Oh, well, it sounds ridiculous. And I believe enough. it's the first season. So, yep. Yeah. <laughs> you looked it up. I'm gonna look it up. <laughs> but before that, we got to move on to a video package. Documenting the feud between The Undertaker and King Mabel. I'm the king! Do we we have that? I'm the king! I can't believe I don't have that sound bite. That was like hilarious. You can tell that was only Vince McMahon's note. Like, hey, and the Undertaker get heat, right? You just yell at people, I'm the king! And he's just like, okay, well, no, all right. I'm just, (laughs) when I get a chance, I'm going to say, I'm the king! And they're going to boo him. Like, okay, that's cool. Got it. Um, <laughs> but in the video package, we see that King Mabel dropped a leg drop on Undertaker. Mm. They land up right on his face. 
And that resulted no. in Undertaker's eye socket being broken. And he was off TV for a long time. Up until tonight. Tonight was his return in the Survivor Series. He's going up against the Royals, which consists of King Mabel. Makes sense. Jerry Lawler. That makes sense. He's the King. Jerry the King Lawler. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. He's a, 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 a Royal Blue Blood type. So that makes sense. Okay. We can kind of see why he's a Royal, right? Connecticut Blue Blood. Okay. And then Isaac Yankum. The dentist. It's like, wait. And then it's like, yeah, he's the royal dentist. It's like, what? <laughs> okay. He's friends with Jerry Lawler, so. They just needed another heel. Yeah. Yeah, the royal dentist. All right, cool. And they're going up against the dark side, which, of course, is The Undertaker and the BSK crew, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Savio Vega, Fatu, and Henry O. Godwin. Uh, I don't know why they were on the dark side other than. They're Dude, as Undertaker's homies. I'm like, what do these guys have in common with the Undertaker? I never see, I've never seen them interact with him. Like, what? Why are they on a team? And it just made me so confused. And then right, this is. I'm sure the Undertaker was like, yo, I want them on my team because they're right. BSK crew. Because, like you said, on TV, from a storyline standpoint, it makes no sense. <laughs> None. But. You think about the real relationships, backstage happenings, like, oh, those yeah. are just his homies. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just his homies. Um, <laughs> Why do they make people carry around Mabel? Like, that's a, he's like 500 pounds, bro. That's hilarious, though. Which, that's wild. I thought that was funny because the first time I saw that was when the Macho Man was the Macho King. And. Uh, I thought it was normal for like these. He's a lot lighter than Mabel, though. That's the funny part. That's why I thought it was so funny because he's so big that I think it was clearly obvious that the people were struggling to carry him. But I mean, they can't. I mean, they're strong guys. Like they probably didn't have an issue carrying him. But to look like they were struggling carrying him was part of the act because he's so big, and that's what that's what I took from it as a kid. Like looking back, it just made me laugh. Because why would he not just want to walk, but being carried and he's like 500 pounds and the guys are looking like they're struggling carrying him? I thought it was hilarious. It played well into his character, I thought. It's so wild. (laughs) It's so wild in hindsight. He's a heel because I don't think a... If he was a baby face, he would have he would have done that. But it just made that's I thought it was hilarious. Uh, one member, of course, of the dark side is Fatu, and one of his many failed gimmicks before he became Rikishi. Uh, and his his whole thing is like it's time to make a change, and that's literally what it said on his jacket. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to make a change. <laughs> okay, it's very on the nose there. I did um, it for the Rock. <laughs> I did it for the yeah. rock. He was one year ahead. He was trying to carve that space for the rock for the next year. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. It was during Undertaker's entrance, though, that I realized that there was a ring announcer who I was very unfamiliar with. It was a voice that I'd never heard before, and I was like, "What? What? Who, who the hell? Who the hell is that?" <laughs> so I looked on Wikipedia, which has never let me down, <laughs> ever. Not once. 
They could use and, the Wrestling Observer newsletter, but we use a real source. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I looked on this on, on this page, and it's, you know, they listed like the referees, the commentators, and the ring announcer. Mm-hmm. And his name was Manny Garcia. And apparently, he didn't last much longer in WWF after this point. Because hmm. I looked up his name, I was like, who the hell is Manny Garcia, you know? And I found a tweet. The tweet was from the OVP Retro Wrestling Podcast, so oh. shout out to them. Very good. It was at the next In Your House, the next month, where he just royally screwed up the ring announcing. <laughs> where apparently, Buddy Landell showed up. Nature <laughs> Boy Buddy Landell. <laughs> but he was supposed to be a surprise but he announces he spoiled it. He did. Nature Boy, Buddy Landell. I remember he, this now. Yep. But he didn't even say Landell. He said, Nature Boy, Buddy Rydell. <laughs> he did. And Jerry Lawler snatched the mic away from him. He was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, uh, even Vince on the commentary man. was like, what? 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 What is he talking about? I remember this. Wow, that's hilarious. And according to the tweet, Manny Garcia was promptly fired soon after. So, he wow. said, Buddy Rydell. Watching that. That's the in your, I did get that in your house. And it was uh, Brett the Bulldog. And that's when they started like the Jeff Jarrett, Ahmed Johnson feud. So, that's why Lawler was in the ring because he was going to give Jeff Jarrett a present. And it was Jarrett's first uh, appearance since Shawn Michaels beat him for the Intercontinental title in July. So, like, Ahmed Johnson was supposed to face, uh, I guess, somebody, like Dean Douglas, maybe. But because of injury, this whole thing took place. Then it was Ahmed versus Buddy Lydell. (laughs) Lydell. Lydell. And uh, Jared, like, attacked him or something. So I remember this vividly because I remember being so confused as why the ring announcer said that. And then... Buddy Landell wound up coming out later. <laughs> like, <laughs> just one of those things that stuck with me. And that yeah. in your house was pretty eventful because that's when the whole Razor Goldust stuff started too. So, Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yep. And now it's time for the match. Undertaker's the last one in. He gets a big grand entrance, and he takes off the jacket, and he takes off the hat, and unveils his face because again we haven't. S- <laughs> that was Mabel's reaction, pretty much. Because again, we haven't seen his face. We haven't seen Undertaker since he had his face broken by Mabel. Oh no! And he takes the hat off. You see this protective mask, but it looks like Phantom of the Opera, and it, it was kind of cool actually because it fit the Undertaker and his whole like motif, his whole his whole vibe, his whole aesthetic. Right. I didn't know that though. I didn't know what the hell Phantom of the Opera was. <laughs> Fair that's enough. Like, that's weird. <laughs> but I think in hindsight, over the years, people kind of referred to it as the Phantom of the Opera mask yeah. that the Undertaker wore. Yeah. Even though it was over both eyes, not one eye. <laughs> but it kind of did resemble that. Mm-hmm. And they actually like furled his brow, made him look angry. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's kind of weird. Um, and they actually like had it on like that buried treasure show recently when they went to like Undertaker storage. Yeah. And they found the mask and they found the purple gear and stuff like that. And again, when he unveils it, this is the first time people have ever seen that kind of iconic mask at this point. Because he only wore it for a finite amount of time. He only wore it, I don't know for how long, but it wasn't that long. Uh, But everybody remembers this mask. 
I'm surprised. I don't know if they, did they have action. Fi- they probably have action figures of this mask. They probably have like Undertaker know. action figures with the mask because it's like a you know a thing uh, that people remember. But Mabel saw that face and he was like, "Whoa, wait a second, <laughs> hold up now." That's the reaction I had though when I saw Mabel's wild ass mohawk. <laughs> that, made me, right, that made me want to back away from my computer whoa whoa what is this sir sir what's what you got going on up there this is not the way it's going to go down tonight players no no what you on right now i know you're the king but whoa 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 <laughs> let's take it easy with the hairstyles uh, one thing I noticed, though, as far as this match, as far as the commentary, I should say, is that Mr. Perfect said that Helmsley liked to be called Triple H. Hmm. And I wonder if that was the first time, it probably was the first time that he was ever referred to as Triple H. That's interesting. Yeah, uh, he, this is still pretty early on in his time. He was still undefeated in one-on-one competition, apparently, oh, wow. by this point. So, But... He was 0-1 in Survivor Series matches because Undertaker gets tagged in, <laughs> and that's pretty much the end of the match from there because Undertaker gets in, he's in the ring with Jerry Lawler, Jerry Lawler is scared poopless, and <laughs> he's trying to tag out, but when he tries to tag out, everybody <laughs> runs away. <laughs> It's it's so funny because you'll see like the blind tags and everything like that, but for this particular instant, like he, he wants them to tag it, everyone's just literally they leaning away. <laughs> jumped off the ring apron. I guess Mabel couldn't move quite that fast, and he just leaned away. He didn't jump off, but he like he just looked away and right. Just had no, it no, too funny. <laughs> and because nobody would tag in, Jerry Lawler caught a tombstone and he was eliminated. <laughs> Quickly, Isaac Yankum jumps in. He tries his hand, but nope, he's quickly tombstone and he is eliminated. Those eliminations happen in about like two minutes, tops. <laughs> then Herner Hells Helmsley, he's like, man, I'm getting out of here. Forget this. But then he runs into Henry O. Godwin. Oh no. Who scared him back with that bucket of slop? What would you choose? Bucket of slop or the tombstone? I'm choosing the bucket of slop. <laughs> Every day of the week, twice on Sunday. <laughs> but Triple H, no, he got to be clean. So he's like, you know what? I'll get my neck broken. Forget it. <laughs> he, well, he, I guess he didn't get the tombstone. He got choke slammed from the ring apron to the middle of the <laughs> ring. <laughs> middle. Like a running choke slam almost. I'm <laughs> <laughs> was out on a war path, bro. Choke slams him. He's eliminated. So now it's just all of Undertaker's team. And Mabel. And Mabel tried. And he tried. He even hit Undertaker with the leg drop. He did. Undertaker just sat right back up. was like, nope, not today. I got my mask on. So it's, I'm good now. <laughs> and Mabel took like, the hell with this and took off. Leaving Sir Mo all by his lonesome to get choke slammed. And Mabel was counted out, making for a clean sweep by the dark side. That made me laugh because I remember thinking, like, why why is this a team? And it was like, oh, it's the BSK crew. And (laughs) they were all, like, celebrating in the middle of the ring, and you just see Undertaker standing there. I just wonder, like, what he's saying to everybody. Be like, 
Yeah, guys. Way to kick ass out here. We're going to drink some Jack Daniels tonight. That's what he's going to say. <laughs> That's what he was saying. So. He was saying, Blue Lives Matter. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That's a good time to move on from that. To a promo, to a pair of promos from Bret Hart and Diesel from earlier in the night. And they announced that the winner of the match would have to go against the British Bulldog at the very next In Your House. You said earlier that was Bret Hart, so you now know the outcome of the main event. Um, Bret Hart's promo was pretty good. Diesel's promo, I didn't like. It, was it wasn't great. It was weird. I, I think I know why. I think it was just too many catchphrases. Yeah. The, the WWE was running on diesel power and all this other stuff, and it's like and he said, like he had to throw in uh, rather nicely and quite efficiently. Like, why? <laughs> why, why is that needed? Just, why is that necessary? No. You dork! They, you big dork! Right? They made him a dork, though. They like, did. They he did. was diesel, and I, I mentioned it during the match. Diesel was cool, right? He had a cool name. People said the word diesel like hey you know when somebody's big and strong and they rocked up jacked up oh man he diesel <laughs> so the name fit he's he was big dude he looked cool but when he became the champion they all of a sudden had him smiling and doing stupid catchphrases because that's what Vince McMahon wants out of his top baby faces at least back then and still pretty much to this day mm-hmm. uh I, you know, in this particular promo I thought I think that diesel Kevin Nash, I think he's capable of much better, and we've seen we, we would see that eventually, but he wasn't quite there yet. Take a shower, hit the weights, get a clue. That's his best promo ever. <laughs> Easily. It would be a lot better if he just said that. <laughs> right. Take a shower, hit the weights, get a clue. <laughs> Woo. Diesel power. <laughs> yeah, that, then that's what this man's new. Hey, 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 after you say that, right? Okay? <laughs> then you throw in, I'm running on diesel power. <laughs> you know what's crazy to think about? That whole year, they didn't, that wasn't like his catchphrase. That wasn't, um, it, at least I don't remember it being like beat over the head with it about the WWF running on diesel power. I'm sure like Vince said that a lot, but it's not, it, it's not like, rammed into our head the way commentary and lines are nowadays. And that's I wonder why I if like it, was, it. it was obviously like acquired over the years of, of how to market and stuff, but in that time frame, I don't remember being beat over the head with the WWS running on diesel power, but maybe I'm just misremembering. Maybe they said it every single week. I don't know, <laughs> but man, interesting to think about. It was rough. It was rough. Uh, we move on, though, to the Wild card Survivor Series match. By the way, wild card baby. Literally the first year of the wild card in MLB, I believe. I believe ninety four was true. Ninety four was technically the first year, but they had a strike before. Right, the the strike shortened year. No World Series. Right. uh, So ninety five. Go go figure. The Braves won the World Series that year, and uh, and they won it again this year. They did. How about that? Yeah, whatever. Everyone forgets anyway. But uh, was this the first year also of the of interleague play too? Uh, that I, don't I think it was 96 or 97, if I remember correctly. Look it up real but, quick. But I think um, it was around this point. But yeah, f- 95 was the first year of the wild card, for sure. Yeah. And uh, so they like clearly jumped on that and <laughs> used that for this match. Which, by the way, I liked. I liked the. You think so? I liked the 
thought process behind it. It was like, oh, like enemies teaming together. We didn't see that that much in this era. So I thought it was cool and Survivor Series still meant something at the time. So, so I thought it was a cool concept. Interleague play began in 97, so you were uh, right. About that. Uh, but you think that WWF was piggybacking off the MLB having the wild card. I do. But the NFL had the wild card before that. Yeah, but with, um, I mean, we're in November. It was like right after the World Series. That's, that's so. fair. No, that's fair. Yeah. But I'm saying NFL had wild cards going back, I think, to the 80s. Yeah, but they never, WWF never used that. That's why I think they're. That's, with, that's fair. With MLB introducing that name, the, they the timing it. matches up. Yeah. I got you. I got you. This was but, probably, that was probably the first time he heard wild card, actually. Right. <laughs> a wild card? <laughs> it's not a deuce. Deuces aren't wild. What? <laughs> oh, wait. It's something different? Oh, we can't wow. call it the Eastern Conference match. <laughs> <laughs> Eastern Conference. The American League match. Yeah. The ALCS match. <laughs> can't do that. Um, but in this wild card match, we got, like you said, baby faces and heels going teaming up. On the same side. So in this case, we got Shawn Michaels, Ahmed Johnson, teaming up with British Bulldog and Psycho Sid Ooh. to go up against Yokozuna, Owen Hart, Dean Douglas, and Razor Ramon. Ooh. So some interesting pairings coming here. You can roll your R's, and I can't. I'm oh yeah, yeah. Razor Ramon. Like Howard Finkel, who would always do that, and I'd be like, "Stop," because I can't do it. <laughs> I hate Whenever it. I would say Razor Ramon's like name, I would have to just say Razor Ramon. Like, Razor Ramon. Like I can't Ooh, do it. Boy. Yeah, it's bad. Ooh, don't do that again. I might have to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> you said Razor. I don't want to go viral tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> My God. Uh, before the match, Jim Ross noted that Yokozuna. Weighed in at 641 pounds that morning. Damn. Now, we don't know if that's an accurate number, but it's probably not that far off, given who we're talking about here. We're talking about Yokozuna. But just the fact that he's in the ballpark in reality is still like, whoa. He's probably legitimately over 600 pounds. And it's like, the fact that he weighed that much and could still move the way he could, it's pretty astounding when you think about it. Like, I've watched, I haven't watched a ton of episodes of, like, makes My 600-Pound Life. I don't know if you've seen that show before. Uh, no, but uh, my parents uh, years ago did watch that a lot. I, I've watched it a couple times here and there, and I've, you know, I've seen it enough, though, to know that most people who weigh over 600 pounds... Most of them, who if they are mobile, they're not that mobile. Right. And most are not mobile at all. Mm-hmm. And then you got Yokozuna, who is easily over 600 pounds and doing leg drops and running and walking like <laughs> a normal person. <laughs> Crazy how athletic he was for a man of his size. Obviously, the human body is not made to carry around 600 pounds of weight. Especially at, at his height, but or at any height, six hundred pounds is unhealthy, extremely unhealthy for any human being. I mean, you look at Big Show; he's seven feet tall. He doesn't walk around at five hundred pounds anymore. Let alone, I don't think he was ever at six hundred. And I, I, I'm 
willing to no. bet if he was WWF and have been like, yo, <laughs> something needs to change because they did it with Yoko back in the nineties, not in a fat two way. So <laughs> time for a change. <laughs> I was going to put it, throw in a fat two joke, but you got to it before <laughs> I did. So. <laughs> I definitely thought about it when I said it. Um, but seriously, like, it's... Despite the fact that he is, again, extremely unhealthy at that weight, he could move like nobody's business. Yeah. Yep. It's unbelievable that he could move around like the way he could at 600 plus pounds. Um... I'm sure somebody who was about halfway there was Ahmed Johnson, as big as he was. He's big as a house. <laughs> All right? This was his WWF pay-per-view debut. How about that? Hmm. How about that? Uh, you, we talked about the wildcard match and, like, how Vincent Man got the idea, probably probably from baseball or whatever. <laughs> but I noted that, like, even by 1995, they were looking for ways to spice up Survivor Series. Because the concept is trash. Of a wild card match? No, of Survivor Series. Oh. <laughs> Period. Like, how can we not I, do this match that means nothing? Like, growing up, like, did you look forward to like a Survivor Series? Because I did, and it was look, a Thanksgiving theme I, and everything. I mean, today I get it, but in I 95... Back in the late 80s and early 90s, Survivor Series was a unique concept because you got to see pretty much people in the ring against each other that you didn't normally see throughout the rest of the year. You got to see teams of people that you didn't normally see throughout the year. You never saw six-man tags, and you definitely never saw eight-man tags, so it was unique. But it looks like by 95, they were looking for some new ideas because the wild card match exists. (laughs) And we all know, if you're a dedicated listener, you know. But if you're new, first of all, welcome. But for two, I am a proponent. I am in favor of doing away with Survivor Series altogether because who gives a rat's ass about that match anymore? That's called a Survivor Series match. It's an easier way to say that. But who cares? Because like Teddy Long did, that was just on a SmackDown. We see those matches probably all the time now. Or at least a lot more often than we did back in the 90s. Oh, yeah. And Survivor Series with this brand stuff, who cares? <laughs> they do the brand matches. It's Raw versus SmackDown. So? You got wrestlers on Twitter now, like Xavier Woods, trying to do something. Like, hey, why don't we fight for something? How about... Something involving the Rumble. Something. Because the way it is currently constructed, it means nothing. Who cares? Even in the match with Biggie and Roman Reigns. Who cares? Nobody's going to remember who won. Who, who Nobody cares. <laughs> Don't care. So that's just my... You knew I couldn't get through a whole Survivor Series without saying something bad about Survivor Series. Nah, you say it, something bad about Earl Hebner, I say something <laughs> bad about Survivor Series. That's just how this show goes. And I, don't, I don't think you're alone in that feeling. I I think the name, WWE thinks it's because one of their original four pay-per-views, like they have to keep it. Um, I don't think they're ever going to get rid of it. And they're just going to change the format whenever it suits them. So now they have two brands, so it fits the Raw and SmackDown. Like, even without NXT, so I, I don't see, I, I don't ever see them going away from that because it's like an original. And I, I do say like 
if they were to get rid of an original, it would be Survivor Series. But I have, I, if I haven't seen it by now, if we haven't seen it by 2021, Man. I'm not sure if we ever will. I can only hope. And it's crazy. Survivor Series but, is the second hey, oldest Nick pay-per-view. Khan, maybe. Nick Khan, maybe. It's the second oldest show. It is, which is crazy to think about. It's WrestleMania and then Survivor Series. And Royal then SummerSlam and, and then Summer the Rumble. SummerSlam eclipsed it, like, long ago. <laughs> oh, so long ago. Yeah. Like, in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Probably around this point. Like, the, the, the concept itself is just it's just nothing there. There's no metric that tells you, yo, Survivor Series is still, it still means something. No, no. The pay-per-view you, you know buys aren't more. We, we haven't deep dove Survivor Series 92, but that only had one uh, elimination match. And they don't even, they've was, had multiple shows where they haven't had a Survivor Series match. Mm-hmm. At Survivor Series. Yeah, and 1992 being the first one, which is like crazy to think about. I still, one of my favorite like pay-per-views because you have Mr. Perfect come back. You know, like Vince clearly needed something big to happen after Ultimate Warrior went away again. Um, so Mr. Perfect's return, and that was like the reason why Survivor Series was so good that year to, to me personally. And then you had Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels or whatever. But then '93, you brought back the elimination matches. '94, you brought back the elimination matches. '95, you had the elimination matches. It wasn't until '97 really you had more singles matches or whatever than you know the traditional tag matches. So for me at this point. Yeah, it was like kind of like okay, whatever. Like, I'm growing up. I'm 10 years old. Like, I don't know how long I'm gonna be watching wrestling anymore. Like, I, I didn't watch. I figured as a kid I was gonna grow out of it because I was told so many times I was going to grow out of it, and I just didn't because it it held me as I became an adult. Like, there were still good things that were happening. Survivor Series was not a good thing after like <laughs> 1994. Like, this isn't what like 95 is fine. Whatever. But I think 94 is like the last Survivor Series I truly loved because it was Thanksgiving Eve. Think about I, think, the, I think that's just like a, uh, what's the word? Like uh, The fact that it was on Thanksgiving Eve is not why I loved it. I think it's just a coincidence. But 94 was like my last one that I really Let enjoyed. me ask you just two questions, though. What was the last Survivor Series match that you remember that meant something like that had like an impactful thing like maybe i, I might give you the one where nxt was on there in 2019 nah, right i, I, I might give that. you that but that was those wasn't even a, well they had like one or two survivor series matches either way doesn't matter before that a survivor series match that meant something that's like wow man that was crazy also what are the biggest moments in survivor series history i can tell you what they are it's the screw job, which is the most infamous moment in Survivor Series history by far. The next year, you had the Deadly Games tournament, which ended with yeah. The Rock's first world title. 99, you had Steve Austin get hit by the car. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe I'll probably give you 2001 because of the, the, the whole invasion storyline ending. That's uh, it. I'm a sucker for 2003. Um, I, I like that era more than most. You had the Raw, you had like a match for Raw and a match for SmackDown. It wasn't Raw versus SmackDown yet. So the Raw match was Bischoff versus Austin. Right. If Bischoff's team won, Austin needed to go away, and that actually happened. Like, he wasn't, I don't think 
I don't know if he was technically retired on TV where like he didn't. No, he was the sheriff. Yeah, he uh, and that he was the sheriff of Raw. I, I don't know if people like thought he would come back and wrestle at that point or not, or if people were hoping he would. But I think at that point, I, he, he himself was pretty much set. Like I'm not going to wrestle anymore. But I mean that meant something. I think Jim Ross's selling meant something because when you know Batista came in. Powerbomb Shawn Michaels, bloody Shawn Michaels. I think was Randy Orton pinned him or somebody pinned him. And then Shawn apologizing that he couldn't do more or whatever. Like that whole, it was theater, yeah. It didn't really mean anything, I think, in the grand scheme of anything. But it's still one of my favorite moments of the modern era of Survivor but, Series. But you're talking about something that you personally liked. I'm talking about when you talk about Survivor Series, what are the biggest moments Maybe and Elimination the ones I just, Chamber when Shawn Michaels uh, won it. All right, well, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll 100% give you Maybe that. Maybe that's the last one. But, but none Sting of those... in 2014 also. Okay, okay, that's... All right, I'll give you that as well, okay? <laughs> of those moments, though, <laughs> of those moments, how many of those moments actually happen, like, in an actual Survivor Series match? Sting, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> like... <laughs> The, the screw job was I mean, a one on one. Chamber is a, a good Survivor Series yeah, but, type match. But that, but that wasn't the traditional four on four, five on five Survivor Series. Correct, but it, it didn't have to be. That Deadly Games. Game. That's a tournament. That I, I put. Deadly oh, I'll game, give you the invasion. I put Deadly I'll Game below elimin- Elimination Chamber. Okay, that's fair. I'm just saying. I'm not ranking them. I'm just saying. In a concept of Survivor Series, I would put Elimination Chamber ahead of a tournament. Even but they're though, not. Neither one of those are traditional Survivor Series matches. <laughs> That's my point. The actual match itself means nothing. Correct. Today. Correct. But yet the 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 the, the name of the pay per view lives on, and it forces them to do it every year. The Royal Rumble still I mean, has a ton of meaning. They can't just Money do in the bank. an elimination chamber match. I mean, it's they do they it at do elimination it with, chamber. I know, but they could just. Use the Elimination Chamber in Survivor Series every year, but they don't. Or they just get rid of Survivor Series and get rid of Elimination Chamber and only do it when it's warranted. Get rid of Hell in the Cell. They've got rid of Hell in the Cell. They only use it once this year for Seth Rollins and, and, and uh, Edge. I'll give WWE no, credit for that. It, they had it in uh, September. Remember they yeah, moved saying, it to September, the pay per view? The pay per view? No, they didn't have yeah. it this year. Yeah, they did. They did? Wasn't it in September? I could have swore they didn't do who's hell in the cell this year. Yeah, because didn't they have Lashley and uh Didn't they? No. No, they did. I don't even remember. They had it in June. <laughs> June, that's what it was. Oh man. Well that's what it was. It was they had that says Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley, right? Yeah. Wow, that shows you how much <laughs> I remember this nonsense. <laughs> they had a whole pay per view, like they didn't even do it. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> But I'm telling you, I thought it was in September. I mean, they moved it from October it usually to was September. It was to... in the fall. <sighs> they did it in June this year. Damn it. Unreal. Get rid of it. It's done with. It's bad. It is really bad. Uh, back to this wildcard match, though. <laughs> um, Shawn Michaels eliminates Dean Douglas after Razor Ramon, who was, again, Douglas's teammate, punched him in the face. <laughs> Which is so stupid because 
Why did Dean even like go to punch him on the apron, like Makes causing no Razor to block it and then to punch him back? Like Makes no sense. That Dean was just telling him backstage to get his head on straight because they got a match. Like, why you would... Right. <sighs> it makes no sense. Uh, but Never I will say, Dean. this match, if nothing else, we got some unique, like, pairings. First of which, Bulldog versus Owen Hart. Nice. That's something we hadn't seen very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we got Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels, which really wasn't unique, but they had a history. It wasn't something we saw very often these days because they were both baby faces. So we just saw it in uh, at SummerSlam. They had a lot. I match. know, but <laughs> they were both baby faces. You did, they didn't fight all the time, you know. Razor um, was worried about being mad at the kid. Right, exactly. <laughs> but there, there's more unique pairings coming. Um, Razor Ramon, he struggles at, at one point. He struggled to get Shawn Michaels up for the Razor's Edge. Shawn Michaels is trying to, I guess, block it. He's struggling to get him up. Mr. Perfect comes out and says, Michaels' head is so swollen, it weighs too much for a razor to lift it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's in reference to, of course, Shawn Michaels getting his ass whooped in Syracuse and getting concussed during that uh, beating he took, which is why he left. He went off TV. He had to drop the IC title to Dean Douglas. You know what I thought so, it meant? Uh, as was watching it live as a 10-year-old. I thought he was like, oh, he said he has a big ego. <laughs> nah, he was referring to that concussion. Like, oh, no, yeah, I know. Like, now I know, yeah. That's definitely <laughs> what he was talking about. But so eventually, Razor Ramon hits the Razor's Edge, but Ahmed Johnson broke up the pin attempt. and But that brought in Psycho Sid to go against Razor Ramon, which is, again, a unique pairing. That's not something we saw very often. Psycho Sid and Razor Ramon. So... That was interesting. Uh, Sid set up Razor Ramon for Shawn Michaels to hit him with Sweet Chin music, but Razor Ramon moved out of the way. Shawn Michaels hit Sid instead. And when Shawn Michaels oh, hit God. Sid, he just simply shrugged his shoulders. He's like, well, whatever. <laughs> Razor Ramon eventually pinned Sid to send him to the showers. But Sid was big mad about this. He was not <laughs> happy about getting kicked in the face, which who would be happy about that? And he took his frustrations out on the man, out on the man who kicked him in the face, and that would be Shawn Michaels. He hit him with the power bomb. While that was happening, British Bulldog was beating on Razor Ramon. So there you go. And then Ahmed Johnson he eliminates Owen Hart with a Pearl River Plunge. Things are just happening everywhere. Dude, Tim White's the ref, right? Mm-hmm. So Razor's the legal guy. After Sid's eliminated. Yes. Sid tosses Sean in the ring when he's on the apron. So Bulldog comes in because Sid was eliminated. They're on the same team. Bulldog comes in and starts with Razor. Yep. Bulldog's the legal guy at that point. You would think. But apparently because Sid threw Sean into the ring, Sean's now the legal guy because Sid chose him to replace him because he's eliminated now. Tim White is a ridiculous referee. He sucked this match. This is another this reason only why Survivor moment. And Bulldog screwed up too, a bunch of times in this match. It was definitely wild. I mean, bizarre. Did he did he miss time the light drop yet, or is that later on? Uh, did you I write don't that recall. Down? I don't recall. It was uh, Razor was pinning somebody, and Bulldog came in. And uh, leg dropped him, and Razor had to act like he got hit, like because he completely missed him. And then Razor <laughs> wound up 
pinning somebody, and uh, I didn't obviously write notes down for this uh, today. Well, but let's go through some more up. of the match here. We might come up to it because Ahmed Johnson eliminates Owen Hart with the Pro River Plunge. That leaves just Yokozuna and Razor Ramon on their team. Razor Ramon goes up against Ahmed Johnson. Ahmed Johnson gets the upper hand. Ahmed Johnson, though, he wants to celebrate. He goes to the turnbuckle. He gets on the on the ropes. He spreads his arms out. He's like, yeah, I'm the man. Rookie mistake. That was a big rookie mistake because that allowed Razor Ramon to set him up for the Razor's Edge. And he hit him with it. That's the only way he could get Ahmed up, though. Apparently. That's, that's why they did it. You know, to make Ahmed look strong. But just so happened, his taunting was in the perfect position to get hit with the Razor's Edge. <laughs> right? Uh, however... While Ahmed Johnson was up in the Razor's Edge, British Bulldog tagged himself in with the blind tag. Mm. So while Ahmed Johnson's getting hit with the move, British Bulldog comes in the ring and then went to work on Razor. So he never got a chance to even pin Ahmed Johnson. Then Sid, Kid, and DiBiase walks to the ring. You know what's going to happen here. One, two, three, Kid distracts Razor Ramon. Where the refs, that allows. Where the refs trying to get him. To the back. Yeah. Well, they were, but at some point, Razor Ramon distracts, is, is distracted by 123 Kid. British Bulldog hits Razor Ramon with the power slam and picks up the elimination, which leaves Yokozuna all alone to go against Shawn Michaels, British Bulldog, and Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> Yokozuna went for a bonsai drop on Shawn Michaels, but he missed. Ahmed Johnson slammed Yokozuna. This is why Ahmed Johnson's pretty much a big star at this point because he slammed Yokozuna, much like Lex Luger did it was a, a couple pause. years prior. Like a, a year prior, I should say. Not a couple years prior. It was, what, 90, yeah, 93? 93. 93? Okay, yeah, so a couple years. A couple years. Um, <laughs> pretty much a hip toss. Um, but Ahmed Johnson pretty much had to win locked up. He's going to pin Yokozuna and win the match. But British Bulldog <laughs> broke up the pin because Yokozuna is his guy. I was like, what? What the hell is going on here? Okay. Shawn Michaels and Ahmed Johnson quickly dispatched British Bulldog before hitting Yokozuna with a sweet chin music and a splash to pick up the win for their team. Now, British Bulldog, though, gets back into the ring and despite fighting his own teammates, celebrates the win with Jim Cornette. <laughs> Jumping up and down. <laughs> Like they had did something, even though he just 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 tried to mess it up. So that was pretty funny. That was kind of funny. So moving on, we're back with the president, quote unquote, who now has Sonny on his lap, feeding him popcorn. And it happened a couple years later with an intern by the name of Monica Lewinsky. This was kind of wild. It's like yeah. they kind of foreshadowed what was to come was, in about was, three years. I mean, that's when it happened, right? Like in the future, yeah. it wasn't happening at this time, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know the timeline of that. That's when we found out, at least. And right, it, I, right. They I don't know. And Clinton got impeached. Yeah, and all I that. Know. I remember that, um, but like I didn't pay attention to politics at all, so I didn't know like if an intern was talked about during this time period. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Crazy to think about, like you said. Yeah. For what's to come. Yeah. Again, Vince McMahon loved every second of this. He did. 
Uh, then we get a pretty cool video package of Bret Hart and Diesel kind of talking about the strategies for their uh, upcoming title match. And there's a pretty easy story to tell with these two. Diesel was going to try to end it quickly with his power advantage. And Bret Hart, he wanted to take Diesel into the deep water, so to speak, and tire him out. You know, said, you know, 10, 15 minutes in, 20 minutes in, he's he's gonna he's gonna wear himself out. So I'm, that's what I'm gonna try to do. So this is an easy story to tell, and they're gonna tell it right now for the WWF Championship. It is Diesel defending the title against Bret the Hitman Hart. I talked about it a little bit earlier. Diesel, I think he gets a bad rap as far as being. The champion, you know, when you talk about Diesel being WWF champion in 95, most people say, oh, he's at least uh, the worst strong champion of all time and all this stuff. The creative for him wasn't very good, though. When he became champion, they turned him into a smiling, sweater-wearing babyface, <laughs> kissing <laughs> babies and slapping five. That wasn't what made him cool. Not at all. Um... But the creative around him with everybody else, when you got Thurman Sparky Plug and the Body Donnas and Hakushi, all this other stuff that just was trash, that didn't do him no favors even, either. Even the guys that went against him, like Sid and Mabel, like they were not. It wasn't great quite there. <laughs> no. I think Diesel was dope. It's just him, like. In a vacuum, but the stuff around him was garbage. <laughs> like, what he's supposed <laughs> to do? He can only do but so much. You know what I'm saying? So, yep. uh, again, I think Diesel gets a bad rap. Shout out to Kevin Nash. Uh, shout out to Bret Hart. I think he just got a degree recently. Uh, I don't know if you Apparently saw it on Twitter. Apparently, it was uh, a few years, like a year or so ago. Oh, but, uh, I saw the picture recently yeah, though. It it showed up on social media. It got his. Apparently, it's a. If if it was true, I did not look it up. It was an honorary degree, so I don't even know if he, oh, he did it. Oh man! But still, Bret I'm Hart still calling. I'm still calling the excellence of education just because. <laughs> right. That's great. Just because he's he still one it. of my favorites. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like yeah. his work still holds up, which is more than you could say for a lot of wrestlers back in that era. Oh yeah! Shout out so. to Bret Hart and his beautiful wife. <laughs> yeah. Beautiful black wife. Yeah. Go ahead, Bret Hart. I ain't mad as you play it. I ain't mad at all. But you talk about his work still holding up, and this match is a prime example. Because it was, again, this is just a simple story, but just expertly told by two vets, by two people who knew what they were doing. They start off the match, they both take the turnbuckle pads off in their respective corners. <laughs> then for a long time, Diesel whoops Bret Hart's ass with his power, right? <laughs> but at the same time, while that's happening... Diesel's heel side is coming out. You can see he's being more aggressive. He's yep. shoving a timekeeper. He's using the chair. Mm -hmm. That heel persona is coming out, right? Uh, Brett bites Diesel to get some momentum, and then he starts wearing Diesel down by attacking his left leg. He even put him in the figure four at one point. Mm -hmm. So, again, everything that, that, that they are doing is deliberate. It makes sense. There's no wasted motion. It's just... Telling the story. Uh, Brett tried to hit the sharpshooter or try to put on a sharpshooter at one point, but Diesel kicked him into the exposed turnbuckle. But Brett quickly rebounded by driving Diesel's knee into the ring post. Um, <laughs> Brett used a, a, like a camera cable to tie Diesel's ankle up to the ring post. 
and then he started using the, using the chair yep. on Diesel. Um, but again, everything they do has a purpose. There's rhyme and reason to it. There's logic behind it. It just made sense. And it made for a really good match, I thought. Uh, at some point, Bret Hart takes the, the chest. He, you know, he always took the chest, the turnbuckle to the chest. Yep. Where he did that with the exposed turnbuckle. <laughs> yep. Crazy, right? Uh, the Bret eventually slams Diesel's face into the exposed turnbuckle. Um, and then we get the best spot of the match where Bret Hart is standing on the ring apron. Diesel knocks him off the apron. Bret goes flying Man. through the air and through the Spanish announce table, which was awesome, even yeah. by 19, especially by 1995 standards. But it still looks cool until this day because they, nothing came off the table. You see the day they do a table <laughs> spot. They take all the stuff out, you know, the move, move all the papers. And that's obviously a safety measure. You don't want people yeah. having TVs fall on top of them <laughs> or their back. They fall on top of the TV. That would suck. But... <laughs> that didn't happen on this night. <laughs> Brett fell through this table and the TV went flying through the air. Yep. And it might have sucked for Brett, but it looked dope for us, you know, yes. in, the com- in the comfort of our own homes. And it was just like, whoa, but, you know, this is 1995, so this stuff did not happen pretty much in pro wrestling outside of like, outside of like ECW. Right. I think or maybe the first FMW. Time we saw it on that stage. Right. The main WWF pay per view, uh, seeing that happen. Yeah. Definitely that never happened. Nope. So this was like, whoa, this is like crazy. This was like taking it to another level, right? Um, and then eventually, uh, Brett is in the ring. He's beat all up, you know, and Diesel trying to lift him up with a jackknife powerbomb. But Brett surprising, surprises Diesel and rolls him up and gets the pin and becomes the but new WWF make, champion. To make it even better, before that happened... He gets up and then he just collapses. Yeah, like he's, like I said, selling, he's selling, like amazing. And Diesel's still selling his leg. And I guarantee you, Brett was telling him during that match, "Sell the knee, sell the knee." Like, and Diesel yeah. was selling it like he hadn't sold in other matches before. No, and you realize Brett's a huge part of that. And then just yeah. like he's gonna set him up for the power bomb, and Brett collapses, and you know it's just the logical thing to do just roll him over and pin him like what are you doing and right. you know Brett played comes back and bites him in the ass Brett played possum and sucker diesel in rolled him up for the pin love it and what did they diesel say f- afterwards <laughs> uh, i don't remember f and remember wow yeah f and mother effer well i mean <laughs> as i mentioned earlier Diesel's heel persona was coming out. It was, it was great because my mom. It was growing. My mom was and, like, "Whoa!" Right <laughs> by the end of this match, it was in full bloom because he was big mad, and he jackknifed, powerbombed Bret Hart. He was beating up refs, and he was a full blown heel. But Bret Hart was the champ yet again, and that is how we go off the air for Survivor Series 1995. So a lot of nonsense. With the opener and the wild card and the Clinton impersonator, but we ended off on a damn good note with Bret Hart and, Sh- and uh, Diesel. It was, uh, yeah, one of Bret's best matches in, in that era for sure. I Diesel's best match by well, far. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I didn't know, like, I didn't really care for these two. Like, I didn't think Brett was going to win. I was just like, okay, why is this the main event? 
of Survivor Series. You know, I wasn't looking ahead too far. I wasn't totally convinced Shawn Michaels was going to be the champion at WrestleMania, even though I understood this was the time that the WrestleMania build usually begins and you kind of like figure things out even as a fan if you're paying attention to TV and you're watching every week. Uh, you kind of realize where they're going. Um, you know, injury, injury, barring any injuries. But uh, yeah, at this point, I just was like, oh, why did Brett win again? <laughs> you know, but you know, it's it kind of cool that they, they did that because Bulldog was supposed to get another title shot. So they did Brett and Bulldog again after doing Diesel and Bulldog the previous month. I mean, you don't want Diesel and Bulldog two times in a row. Right. You got your at your excuse to turn diesel again yeah. or I, I i mean it wasn't like fully the, the way they did it i didn't think he was a full he was fully a heel well, until he turned on Shawn michaels which was what february at that point right i mean he even talked about i'm i'm if you got a glove on you're my guy like i'm gonna hit you, i'm gonna dab you up if you don't i don't <laughs> mess with you which by the way the next night on raw is when that happened like his promo and then when they did the Shawn michaels uh concussion angle so mm. When he that. when he like uh when he like passed out in the ring? Yeah. Oh wow. Next night, yeah. Look at that. Collapse in the Big ring. Big time in the WWF at that point. Crazy stuff happening. Wild card. <laughs> it was a real wild card. Uh so any final thoughts on Survivor Series ninety five before we wrap up episode three oh six of the straight shooters? The fact that it was on a Sunday ruins everything for me. Wow. Like, it really sucked. But, that's it. Not the fact that <laughs> Hakushi and no, 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 no. Bear Harwitz were in the opening match, or it's not their match. It's not their um, fault. So, um, I thought it was Isaac cool. Yankum being a part of the, just being on the show, <laughs> or being part of the Royals, that didn't ruin it for you. No, not at all. He okay, was great. he was great. But that uh, wasn't it. I, I enjoyed the different. They they still told some stories with you know the one two three kid. Uh, you know, making him the sole survivor, kind of dap, like building him up a little bit. But yeah, that makes sense. By what February he was like nothing, <laughs> and he wasn't even at WrestleMania. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, uh, not the best Survivor Series, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm just glad we got the main event that we got with that's true Diesel and Bret Hart. That's, that's that literally salvage the show because <laughs> everything else was like eh, at best that was like the best part it was like eh, all right well whatever but then it was like oh okay we got this okay this is dope this is dope and they built it up all night with the the, the video packages the vignettes and whatnot yeah. the promos and then the match delivered and i thought they told it they told some stories man they told the story of the match itself and how the each person's strategy they told the story of diesel you know either going tweener or a full-blown heel like yeah, I like that. I dug that. Mm-hmm. All that made sense. All that was cool. Everything else was like, okay. I'm like, you had to you had to wade through a lot of trash to get to the to the good stuff. <laughs> um, on this show, and that's pretty much 1995 in in general. Uh, there's some bright spots here and there, but for the most part, it's like, ooh, ooh, yikes. Uh, Thurman, <laughs> Sparky, plug. Wow. <laughs> Thurman was the worst part of that. Not Sparky Plug? Nah, nah. <laughs> I could get behind Sparky Plug. Okay. Throw, you throw Thurman in there, I'm out. Oh, you're out? Yep. Okay. But well, we're out here in episode 356. So, Nick, 
Take us out with some plugs, please. The master of the segue. I love it. Oh, uh, yeah. You can follow me at underscore Pacone on Twitter. Follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter and on Facebook at Facebook.com. Not meta. It's still Facebook. Facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. Yeah, that's another thing that happened during our hiatus. <laughs> meta. Um, I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. If you can't find me there, you can find me out here in these streets. Uh, I've, you know, been out in the streets playing flag football. Back at that again. <laughs> Got the playoffs this weekend, so try to get these dubs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, I, you can check out my writing on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Uh, you can check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash Uh You can put in a request for a future deep dive, like like one we're going to do next week. We're going to deep dive into Survivor Series 1996. That is a Patreon request. So you can be like that patron and get your content dove or dived into by going to patreon.com slash you radio paying a nominal fee put in your request and we shall fulfill it and it doesn't have to be a wrestling related like a purely wrestling show it can be a movie it can be a tv show it could be uh i don't know a short film it don't matter <laughs> <laughs> documentary whatever it is we will definitely uh take it into consideration at least for fulfilling it uh, and we will fulfill it. Let's just say that. We will fulfill it. So, again, patreon.com slash shooters radio. For Nick McCone, I am Vaughn Johnson. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us on episode 356. That's <laughs> 356. <laughs> We're not there 50, yet. 50 episodes of our archive. Okay, we're Damn, not there quite yet. <laughs> 306 of the Straight Shooters. And we'll catch y'all again next week. Listen to the straight shooters. This Donnie Wahlberg from WrestleMania 10. And you listening to Vaughn Johnson and Nick Pacone at the straight shooters, y'all.